Right, and welcome back to the Shardbreaker podcast. We are on episode 2 of Mistborn, The Well of Ascension. We've read chapters 7 through 13 this week. My name is Midnight, I am the host, and I am here with Mythic. Hello. And Darkness. Hi. So unenthusiastic. Oh, I'm sorry. Do I need to be more enthusiastic? No, not you, Darkness. Tired, huh? Huh? I'm tired. Look, I'm doing better than last week, okay? Even though I was very stressed when I you first being, came on voice call. I'm just saying, if you if you misspeak, you know. Doing my best here, okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> shall we start with Chapter 7's epigraph? Uh, chapter 7's epigraph is, I speak of us as we, the group, those of us who are trying to discover and defeat Ruin. Perhaps my thoughts are now tainted, but I like to look back and see the sum of what we were doing as a single uni- united assault, though we were all involved in different processes and plans. We were one. That didn't stop the world from ending, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So what do you think about the Hero of Ages talking about the fact that the world does end, but that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing? The world needs to be burned and reborn from its ashes. (laughs) I fucking knew you were going to say that. Reborn from its ashes. So when they say that the world ends, do you mean that, like, do you think then that it doesn't mean that the world technically ends? Like, it, it ends, but not, like, fully? Just means it's, like, changing again? Yeah, the world as we know it ends. Do you think that means that they're going to win? Or are they not going to win? It gets to ruin. I think they all lose. What do you think, Darkness? I think it's more of that front of, like, if you're on a battlefield, it feels like the whole fucking world is ending because everything around you is just dying and fighting and, you know, like that. So I feel like they've lost, at that point, they've lost so much, it feels like the world has ended. Hmm. But they feel like it's not that bad because, well, of the outcome. Well, I mean, because, you know, he already lost his love of his life. That probably. Oh, my God. His world ended there. (laughs) All right. So we have a Tensoon chapter, which we get three of them, which makes me very happy. I love the Tensoon chapters. Uh-huh. You just like Tensoon. I do like Tensoon. I also just like learning about the Conjure stuff. The Conjure stuff is fun. Nah, you just like Tensoon. He's a little weird. So we have Tansu's point of view as he forms around bones he has been given. He notes that he has spent centuries eating and digesting humans, although never killing as it was against the contract. He had been in the prison pit for a year and had forgotten what it was like to be in a human body again. He opens his eyes and breathes through proper lungs for the first time since going into that pit and finds that the world is full of light and wonder. He gets onto his knees and then looks at his arms before feeling his face. He thinks that he has enough experience to create a human without replicating a specific one, that he likely doesn't look very attractive and possibly even grotesque. So what do you think about Tensoon's skill of forming a human body without needing sorry, without needing to replicate a specific one? Sounds like a god. Suddenly everyone in this fucking book is yep. a god. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just calls everyone a god at this point. Yep, everybody's a god. Everybody has some bits of godly power. <laughs> Hell. As human beings, we have godly power. We create life. Technically, yeah, don't most things create life? Exactly. Most things have godly power. Um, 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 oh, go ahead. I was going to ask what the question was again. <laughs> uh, just, what did you think of Tensu's skill of forming a human body without needing to replicate a specific one? That's just him showing off, babe. <laughs> it is, honestly. He's like, look how fucking badass I am. <laughs> He's like looking down, he's like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> uh, so he Tensu- gloats later about it too. So. Yeah, he does. 
because Marcel's being a fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, so Tenzin looks up and it's described that he's in a cavern lit by glowstone, which is a large porous rock on a column base with bluish fungus growing on it, which is what, which is, which is what actually glows. Thus, the whole area was light, lit by dim blue lighting. Tensun notes that he knows most Chondra, at least up to the 6th and 7th generations, and thus knows his captor is Varsel. Tensun also notes that Varsel is wearing a true body, which means he is using fake quartz bones made by a Chondra artisan. Varsel also has his skin translucent so that his bones sparkle slightly in the, dimly, in the dim lighting. They just sound like a lot of fucking, uh, what are the fucking, what are the things called in D&D? Rock people. Rock. They sound like, uh, I can't think what they're called. Rock. Rock people? That's... Yeah, give me a second. I don't know. Uh, my question was going to be, though, what do you think about Varsel and the use of his uh, fake bones being called a true body? I wonder what makes that a true body and not, like... Is it because... So, I, I, f- I feel like... It didn't explain it, right? This, these chapters? Um. So the most they explain about true bodies is that they are made by Chondra artisans. Uh, and that generally the Chondra, like, kind of pick out materials and, like, how they want to look themselves. And that they don't well, use ass- real bone. I assume it's, like, oh, I don't need no external, like, bones from any other creature. You know, like, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just, like, build a body for myself, you know. And that's why it's, like, true. What is it, true body? True body, yeah. Yeah. That's why that's why they call it true body because literally just themselves and their like choices of their imagination. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that mythic about Marcel and the true bodies? Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. True bodies were too, just their act, like what they would see themselves as, basically. Mm-hmm. Also, for some reason, when I saw that it was like clear and sparkly, for some reason, I was like. This dude is, like, emitting, like, princess energy. <laughs> you got sparkly bones. <laughs> yeah. He likes to sparkle. No shame in that. There's one in specific we see, uh, I think, later in the chapters. Uh, in the, I, I, I think I it's really in the third like. chapter, or is it the second Tensu chapter? I'm not I sure. I think it's the third. Mm-hmm. But I really like that one. It's cool. Milan, I'm assuming. Is it the wood one? Yeah, with her wood. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's Malon. Yeah, the the wooden shit. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, So yeah, this also causes Tensoon to realize that he... Tensoon's love, for sure. He seems annoyed with her, honestly, but... (laughs) I I ship them for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Way better pair than uh, Tinder and Seeds. So this also causes Tensoon to realize he has made his skin opaque and wonders if it's because of the fact that they gave him human bones, which is meant to be an insult. So apparently, I guess you'd normally give them their true body bones, and they're like, nah, 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 have some shitty human bones instead. Uh, So apparently in the past, Tensoon cursed when he had to use human bones instead of a true body. Um, So I guess he has a true body set of bones somewhere, but we don't know where. Gonna be obsidian. (laughs) Be insane. Uh, Apparently... Uh, Varicella speaks up, stating that he finds it ironic that his random choice of bones have been ones that Tensoon had used before. However, Tensoon thinks that these are not bones he has used before, and his skill in creating a body around these bones had made Varicella assume that it was a body he knew. Uh, Tensoon smiles and tells Varicella that he had not used these bones before, which Varicella seems to reluctantly accept. 
Uh, Varsal is apparently of the fifth generation, two generations younger than Tensun. And Tensun notices that there are three other fifth generation conjures in the room by the doorway, all wearing either nothing or just open robes to show off their true bodies. Uh, in the shoulders of all three of them were two sparkling metal rods. Tensun notes that they all had the blessing of potency, likely to make sure Tensun could not escape. Uh, so first of all, what were your thoughts on blessings being metal rods? Were you expecting that? Nope. But uh, it makes a lot of more sense. Everything's connected. Nails, rods. What do you think, Darkness? Yeah, um, I'm just... All three of the fucking main, like, creations of that dude, that dude being the Lord Ruler, <laughs> um, they all carry, like, rods. Okay? Yeah, of some so sort, like, like, metal piece, something metal. Metal nails, metal rods. And we've seen, like, we've seen how, what is it, humility or whatever mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. with just, like, essentially stabbing people with the fucking rods. So, maybe he created it, like, created all of them using that. Mm. No, but it says that some of them don't have it, right? Yep. So, uh, we're going to get into one of my other questions here. So, my question was, do you think... Only the blessing of potency is made of metal rods inserted into them, or all the blessings like this, because there are other types of blessings, but we don't know the names of them. This is different metals. You think they're all all they're all blessings, yeah. which are different metals. Yeah. Do you think all Chondra have a blessing, or no? You th- no, you think some Chondra don't have the blessings? That's, I, I think every Chondra, yes, I think every Chondra has a blessing. I think that's how you become from Mistwraith to that, pretty much. To Chondra, so, younger, yeah. You get stabbed. Uh, and my other question was, my, I had a lot of questions because the blessings are interesting. Uh, do you think there is a reason there are two metal rods, or do you think that some conjurer may have more or less metal rods? Like, do you think there's a reason for the number? Like, do they all have two, or are there different numbers of rods? I... How many did it say ahead? They have two. So all these fifth generation conjurers with the blessing of potency have two metal rods. And them. We have not seen any conjure with other blessings, so we don't. That's why I'm asking. Do you think it's only the blessing of potency that has two rods? Do you think it like differs depending on the blessing, or like and like why do you think it's like two specifically? Like, is there a meaning behind that? The fact that you're asking the question means there's a meaning behind it. So does it? Does it really? Yes. You guys have judged yep. my question asking before. <laughs> yep, and we haven't been wrong. No, no thoughts on that. You're not gonna. Okay. I mean, hard to... Hard to guess. We don't really have a lot of information, so... Okay. Uh, so Tensun asks if they can go, and when Varsal says forming the body took less time than expected, Tensun replies that the second generation is unpracticed and that they assume everyone takes hours to form a body like they do. Varsal uh-huh. tell, tells Tensun to respect its elders, but Tensun replies that the second generation remains lazy while the rest of the Contra go out and serve contracts, and thus Tensun surpassed them in scale long ago. <laughs> Yep. Uh, which I, f- I fucking love Fought sassy Tenzoons being here. Oh, fuck that shit, bro. Varsal uh, hisses and keeps himself from slapping Tenzoon, which Tenzoon assumes is because Tenzoon is his elder. He's like, I can't really slap him if I'm telling him to respect his elders. <laughs> then I don't. I'm, uh, yeah, because I'm not his elder, you know. Uh, so Tenzoon then thinks about how the thirds are special because the seconds want to keep them from being in the homeland and upsetting their perfect conjure utopia. As Varsal says they can go, Tensun also thinks about how the fifth will have him, uh, will have him have lavish stone tr- 
I totally fucked up that sentence. Tencent also thinks about how all the fifth generations have lavish stone true bodies as they are favored by the seconds, thus spend a lot of time in the homeland. Uh, so what do you think about this situation between the seconds and thirds? You're kind of like at odds with each other. Mm. Sibling rivalry. So here's what I didn't get. <laughs> I don't know. It's the first generations were the first ones created, right? Yeah, so they're they're the first. And then the first mm -hmm. and then there's the second generations, which we learn later are kind of like mostly in charge. Maybe they're then... the second generation is just jealous because the third generation was the one to establish a contract. It's possible. We we don't really know how they established the contract, we just know that the both the thirds and the seconds were around for it. Yeah, but I mean, Tenson specifically says, like, I was there, I was the one that, like, you know... I think he says, I was there, as were you. To, to, uh, Carpa... What was it? Uh, Ken Par... Par... I think that's the specific wording. Are you good? <laughs> I was trying to remember his name. I was trying to remember Ken Par's name. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, I think he, what Tenson's wording in that later chapter implies is that both the thirds and the second generations were there, and as he's a third no, no, generation, no, no, no. he was there It was just it. him. I don't think it was just <laughs> No, 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 no. It was just him. Okay, sure, Darkness. <laughs> um, sorry, Mythic, did you, did you reply about what you think about the situation between the second and third generations? He agrees. I'm sorry, I'm back. What? Welcome back! What was the question? Sorry, my uh, whole headset died. No, that's, that's okay. Uh, the, the question was, what do you think about the situation between the second and third generations? It's like, kind of like, tension between them. Sibling rivalry. Oh right, okay, you did say something right, right? Yeah, wait, sorry. Right, off, right off the bat. Yeah, yeah sorry, I, I got I got into Darkness' thing and then forgot if you'd said anything. No, it's okay. I think it's sibling rivalry. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, they they state you know that the Lord Ruler is their father, so it's just like sibling rivalry in my opinion. <laughs> Each one it's, believes they're better than the last. It's like the intense the kind though, because it's like you know you know when there's like that one old person that has all the money and shit, and then they die, and then there's like all the siblings fighting for it, and they're going as far as to fucking kill each other, you know, fighting over the inheritance. <laughs> yeah. Tensoon's coming in saying the stepmom is actually the one who gets all the money. <laughs> yeah. Eee, don't say that. <laughs> Anyways, as they walk, Tensoon does dissolves his genitals and creates a smooth crotch since he was not oh, given any clothing. Dissolves his genitals. Yeah, that's what he I'm pretty sure that's what they, they said. It was, he dissolves them. Oh, <laughs> uh, belt off. He thinks that due to his imprisonment and the acid, his body looks emaciated as he couldn't create much muscle mass. He also notes that the stone walls of the caverns are smoothed, likely from the digestive juices of the infants. Another thing he notes is that they keep to back passages to not be seen by other chondra. Uh, Tenzun then considers that the 11th generation has likely been chosen and that he will, and that he barely knows any of the 8th through 10th generations. He also suspects that there won't be a 12th generation due to the father being dead. Uh, so I think Mythic had wondered about the number of Chondra generations previously, so what are your thoughts on how many Chondra generations there are? Like I said, it's one for every year, or one for every, like, what, 100 years or whatever? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure they that's basically how they say it, is it's when every hundred years. Yeah. Which, yeah. You, you kind of guessed last time. Which it yeah. was correct. I think I think Darkness guessed it. And then oh, I was Darkness one who guessed it? it? I think Apologies, so. Darkness. I think so. It's fine, you know? <laughs> hey, Darkness, you get you get called for some of the things I do, too, right? So. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to remember episode from episode who, who called what. Exactly. You're right. And sometimes you, you guys agree with each other a lot too, so sometimes it's hard to remember who said the the, the thing first because you guys will expand on each other's points. Uh, agreeing with everybody. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, darkness comes up with really good points, so you know, you I gotta both agree do. With you go, you uh, and mythic just fucking like does some voodoo shit that actually accurately, you know, depicts everything. <laughs> uh, I'm good at books, all right? <laughs> I'm good at figuring out what a book's about. Yeah, because you totally read all the chapters. Man. <laughs> I don't read books. <laughs> uh, so the final thing that Tensoon thinks about is that he finds it ironic that Conjure oh, yeah, Four. I just, I just sleep and you know listen to it through osmosis and get it oh all. Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> that one time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So the final thing that Tensoon thinks about is that he finds it ironic that Conjure form their true bodies into human shapes, even though they hate humankind. He thinks that Mithras are more true to themselves and that they are, their combination of human and animal bones are artistic. He thinks that his people are strange, but they, they are still his people even if he betrayed them. Tensoon then thinks, as they approach the Trustworn, the Conjurer's most sacred place, that he must convince the first generation that he was right to betray them. And I didn't really have a question for the end of that because we do get into all of that, uh, his like reasoning behind it later in this episode. So, chapter 8, our epigraph is, It is too easy for people to characterize ruin as simply a force of destruction. Think rather of ruin as intelligent decay, not simply chaos, but a force that sought in a rational and dangerous way to break everything down to its most basic forms. Ruin could plan and carefully plot, knowing if he built one thing up, he could use it to knock down two others. The nature of the world is that when we create something, we often destroy something else in the process. Uh, so what do you think of this description of ruin? I mean... Technically, I feel... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Pretty accurate. Technically, I feel like, in the end, ruin is going to fulfill its purpose, mm. but it is going to get defeated. And, you know, as the as the thing said, like, you know, things get ruined, like, you know, like, it gets... What's it called? Decayed, and then it gets built in you. So, yeah, burn everything to ash. I think it's also kind of uh, a little bit of reasoning between uh, behind the re- the name ruin instead of like chaos or something. Like he's not just like chaotic destruction. He like plans. Uh, so we have Vin's point of view as they leave Vediton, with Finn feeling like her and Elland were killing a hundred of the villagers. This was because they were traveling out in the mist, and since the night she had freed the power of the Well of Ascension, the mist had killed people. People at random from the, village, uh, from the villages began to fall to the ground and have seizures as the mist appeared. Then tells the mist she hates them, feeling betrayed since she, has been tol- she had been told by Kelsier that the mists were her ally. Ellen had apparently tried numerous ways to keep the mist from killing people, such as hoods to keep them from breathing in the mist, getting people inside as soon as they began seizing, and going out after the mist had already established themselves. However, no matter what he did, random people would die, and only people, not animals. Apparently less than one in six people got these seizures, and even fewer of them died from it. It's also known that once you have survived the mist, you won't ever be affected by them in the future. So, what do you think about the number of people affected by the mist? Are we supposed to think something about the amount? Uh, I, yeah, I just meant, like, the, the there, fact that it's, like... The amount? I don't know. Just the fact that there's, like, less than one in six. Like, did you expect it to be more people? Because, like, the I mean, way that they were talking I, about in the past, like, they made something with a lot. I expect it to be everybody, so... Yeah, that, that's what I meant about the numbers. Like, they make it up to be this, like, oh my god, everyone's dying in the mist type thing previously. And now it's like, oh, it's actually less than one in six get these seizures, and only, like, fewer of those actually die from them. I mean, I thought we were... I thought we kind of... I, I know we didn't know the exact number, 
Mm-hmm. But I think I thought we kind of knew that like not everyone dies. Some chick is we, just yeah. Sick. We, we did we did know that part, but I'm saying like uh, I thought they were all like it was just you know getting it, it, had, it just had that's to get stronger. Strong. Yeah, it, that's it what, had to get stronger. Yeah, that's what I thought at first too. But then I was like, I mean, it makes sense because in that one, like you know when Vin. No, not Ben. Uh, when Says, I think it was Says, uh, first discovered the fucking village that was dying or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there was other people inside, and I'm pretty sure that dude was like cannibalizing them too. Or yeah, whatever, there was right? like, there was a guy cannibalizing, and he kind of talked about how like, uh, his village had been like completely overrun by the mist. Like it was like, um, the mist like stopped coming, uh, for a cup yeah. for like a while during the day, and like. So some of the people had originally gone out, and then like they saw everyone dying, so a bunch more had run in. But then obviously some of those people had been okay, and they tried to convince the people who had stayed inside to come out with them. And they're like, no, no, they're obviously mysteries in disguise. We can't trust them. And then they all died of starvation, except for the one guy who was cannibalizing the mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. So I mean, like at that point, I was like, I not everyone's gonna die from it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was like that low. To be fair. Yeah. This is this is the first time we kind of get like a general number to like kind of approximate how many people are actually getting killed, and they mm-hmm. say like basically like of these five thousand people, it's only like a hundred that end up dying basically. Yeah, There's only like a hundred of them that die and then become colas, you know. <laughs> become colas, I see. Yeah. Um. The zo- darkness is zombie theory, you know. Also, what did you guys think about how the mess will only potentially make you sick or kill you the one time? Like, if you go out one time, you get these potentially get these seizures. Not everyone does, and then but though even if you get the seizure the one time, if you go out again in the mess, you're it it won't happen to you again. It's like a one time thing. Sounds Maybe like it's like, huh? Sounds like a disease ruining them. Huh. I was thinking maybe it was the like the thing the Lord Ruler did to change their fucking like biology. Biology, yeah. Hmm. So like. Maybe he made it so that they, if they survive, like, a certain disease once, you know, they'll be fine through it. Mm, you think, like, because, so you think maybe when the deepness was here previously, like, if you did go up multiple times, it could kill you, no matter how many times you went out and up? I was thinking more of the ash because, like, if, if you're, like, born, let's say, and you don't die instantly, then, like, you're able to breathe, like, the ash and stuff, so mm. you'll be fine. So you think it's more like um, very sudden, kind of instant, instant evolution, kind of thing, or like a mutation, yeah. like a, an an adaptability sort of like ability. Mm. Okay. So just basically more yeah. more resistant to to different sorts of things that could kill them. Yeah. Whether it be like disease or I don't know whatever else ash. And, things that can poison your body if you breathe it in. Yeah, I feel like it would be like everybody's, because uh, technically that's what the ruler, uh, the Lord Ruler was, you know, trying to fucking evade, but... Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on, on Darkness's theory, Mythic? This is always right. <laughs> uh, so Vin hears Lord Fatrin and Ellen speaking, and Lord Fatrin is upset about the people dying, and Ellen tells him that they have to get through the mist this one time, and to let people know that they'll be safe from now on. Ben then tells Ellen they murdered these people and they should have given them a choice, but Ellen replies that they would have eventually been overtaken by the mist in their village, and that it's better to bring them closer to Luthadel where they can still grow crops. Ellen then says he'll get the Kolos to bury the dead, and that tomorrow the Kolos can carry any who are still sick, and hopefully they'll get to a canal so they can move the sick easier. 
We then skip to the next day, with Finn walking with the large group of around 5,000 villagers. Ellen is riding with the town leaders, so Vin is walking along with, alone with her one Kolos. She can feel her Kolos trying to get free of her control, but she wouldn't let it get free and attack her. She glances over at the Kolos and it tells her not to look at him, because she doesn't think that he is human. Vin says that he isn't human, but the Kolos replies that they will be once they kill the humans and take their cities. Uh, Vin then asks the Kolos what its name is, which it replies with human. Vin finds this clever, since it forces her to call him human when she says she, he wasn't. <laughs> Uh, she then asks how long he's been alive, and Human just refers to his size in comparison to the other Kolos. Apparently he's larger than most Kolos, so he is old. He then says Vin is big on the inside because he cannot kill her. Next, Vin asks about female Kolos and baby Kolos, but Human doesn't seem to understand and points to the five feet tall Kolos as the youngest ones, and says they make new Kolos themselves. Vin wonders if the new Kolos somehow split from other Kolos, although there has been no evidence of this. Uh, so what do you think about Vin's conversation with Human? surprisingly intellectual. Honestly, we didn't even know that, like, you know, they could be that fucking smart, but... Yeah? You like cool? You like a human? Human a good cool no. loss? Yeah. I don't like <laughs> humans right. well. You don't like human? No. Human can die. I feel like we could go out for drinks, you know? You and, you and human yeah. go out for drinks? Yeah, I'll tell you. I wonder what they're all about My other question here was, how do you think other cool are made? Because human doesn't really give a very good description here for Vin. She's kind of left theorizing. Um, the nails in dead bodies. There's no way that he didn't try that, actually. Mm. i say, like, this book is based on humanity simply because it can create all this stuff like that. Mm. And, like, he tested it out with Inquisitors, right? I mean, he's got so he's he got knows. living people, and he's got random creatures that he's tried it on. So yeah, I guess uh, it would make sense if Mythic series correct uh, if he also tried it on dead people. Although he could have, and it might just not have worked. It might have, but he would have been like, or, "What the fuck does that mean?" Or maybe he he uh, was trying different things with hemology and ended up creating Colas. Uh, like maybe he was stabbing spikes into the areas. And certain areas make Coloss, and certain areas make uh, Steel Inquisitors. Maybe they just failed Inquisitors. The inquisitors maybe, that went wrong? <laughs> or, or maybe it's... Yeah, that, that's another good option. Uh, or maybe it's like when you jam like uh, ten human people together and, you know, in a big col you know, collage of shit. <laughs> collage oh, that would be cool. Shit. And that's why their skin can't fit in stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just jamming a bunch of human beings into one human being. <laughs> I mean, I Stitch have a all theory... Their skin together. <laughs> I, I, I have a theory that it's kind of like the way they make Steel Inquisitors, so, like, you put the one person on top, and then jam a spike through their body into the person underneath's body, and then that person above's power is given to the person below, mm -hmm. but I don't know how that would work. You know, like, what, like a bunch what of difference? Like... What difference would it be to making a Steel Inquisitor versus making a Coloss in that way? You mm -hmm. know, so could just be the fact that one's a spike and one's a nail. Yeah, maybe but the there's... shape of the metal somehow makes a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a lot more of the Coloss. Are there though? Uh, there definitely are, but I think that's mainly because the Lord Ruler, like, like probably didn't want to make like, a lot of Inquisitors because he wanted to keep power over them. I thought he had a lot of Inquisitors and they he all got had... killed. 
Well, yeah, no, uh, Marsh did kill a lot of them. I think there was only, like, between 10 to 20 Inquisitors total in the whole Empire. And Marsh killed, like, eight of them. He killed, like, all the ones that were in the Fidel. I'm gonna be honest. I thought there was, like, what, 50 to 100? No, I'm pretty yeah, sure the first uh... book... I can... I might look it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the first book, Marsh says that there's only, like... X number, and he kills the majority of them, because the majority of them are in Luthadel. And he, ki- I'm pretty sure he kills eight. I'm pretty sure that was, like, for some reason that number sticks in my head. Yeah, but, like, I meant, like, reading, like, through all of it, even though Marsh said that, I still thought, like, there also could lot. be more. There also could be more now, because they could, they might be creating more Inquisitors since we're yeah, over. Yeah, you know, everyone's making an army of them, so, you know. Do you know why I think there, why, why I thought there was a lot? Because, mm-hmm. um, there seemed to be some, like, at the fucking, like, palace or whatever, and apparently there was, like, places where, you know, the stations where they would manipulate, you know, do, like... I found a really funny trivia note. <laughs> I'm sorry. There, it's, I was looking at the Steel Inquisitor page on the copper mine to see if I could find how many there were, and it's like, trivia, a group of Inquisitors is called a murder. Because <laughs> uh, they're crows. <laughs> they're apparently crows. <laughs> Sorry, you, you keep going, Darkness. I apologize, that, just, that made me laugh. Uh, I forget what they're called. Crows. No! <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the little fucking places they were at so they can, like, manipulate and emotionally pull, like, or whatever. Oh, uh, they found the writers? About, I guess, I don't know. Sorry. But, like, the, didn't they... they have, like, a group of Inquisitors doing that? Oh, the ones that they had at, like, the different soothing stations? Yeah, there you go. No, I think they they just had obligators and random allomancers that worked for them. I don't think it was Inquisitors doing it. Oh, okay. It was obligators, yeah. Inquisitors is, like, a very small, like, like, group of them Mm -hmm. who are kind of, like, separate from the obligators. The obligators are the ones that actually ran the city, and they were the ones in charge of all the soothing stations and everything. Alright, so the Inquisitors are, like, Ninjas. <laughs> like a special task force. <laughs> okay, so there were 16 Steel Inquisitors at the start of the Final Empire, and but they killed three of them. There were 13 after. Something like that. It was around that number. Like 10 to 20. And how many did Marsh kill? The fuck? Marsh killed like eight of them. He killed there's all not the ones that many left. <laughs> Unless Ruins that many made any. We, we don't know how many, yeah. if Ruins made any or not. We do know the Oh, you're right. I keep forgetting people. that they can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they can make other ones. But as I think as of the... As of the uh, end of the first book, there was less than ten. All right. Uh, so, sorry. Is there anything else? I, I've kind of we lost. I lost track of where the conversation was going. <laughs> nope. Uh, okay. So, Vinland notices the crowd slowing, so she uses a coin to push herself up into the air and over to where Ellen and the others on horses are. Well, in the air, she can see the canal cutting in naturally through the landscape, and thinks about how Ellen believes the ash will clog the canals eventually, so that there are no, so that they are no longer useful. She also notes a large mass of tents near the canal where nearly 50,000 soldiers train and work. Ellen approaches Demo, who is at this large camp, and Demo notes that they are early. Demo, since the last book, has gained a scar and is missing some of the hair on his left side, on the left side of his head from where Kolos almost killed him and, like, took off part of his scalp. Uh, Demo comments on their victory of getting the people out and capturing the Kolos from the Inquisitor. Ben also notes the small silver spear on a chain around Demo's neck, which she notes that it is, it's ironic that the weapon that killed Kelsier became the symbol of his religion. Although it could also represent the spear she used to kill the Lord Ruler, but she hasn't asked Demo which spear it was. Uh, so what do you think about the symbol 
uh, for the Church of the Survivor and which spear do you think it is? Yes. Yes. I think it's both of them. You think it counts as both? Yeah. I feel like they're like, oh, like she used the same spear that killed him to kill him, you know? Like, I mean, she definitely didn't, but I could see them like just saying that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how rumors get started, how myths are made. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the spear being the symbol of the survivor? I mean, I think it is the one that killed him, because that's where it all start- this all started in the first place. But Yeah, and that's mostly what the- all the Scoths saw. Like, they didn't really see her kill the Lord Ruler, but they did see Kelsier die to the Lord Ruler. Yep, and that's where the- it started anyways, so why mm-hmm. wouldn't it be the thing that made him a martyr? I just- I, what I was going to say was I, uh, when they talked about what Demo, right, about how his scalp whatever was taken off and all that, yeah. uh, I was like, I really hope when we see uh, Spook again, he's not injured because I wanted to see the injury. Like, I want to read the injury happen. Mm. He's like missing like half an eye. Half an eye? I, I think half he's, an I, I mean, I, I, have this, I have this theory that Spook is going to lose, either somehow lose sight, like his actual sight, or like his uh, fate, like his eyes are going to get like cut. And he's not going to be able to see anymore. Mm. Well, we do know like, Breeze and Sazed are going to be heading off towards where Spook is. Mm-hmm. We could just Hopefully grab, just like, spikes into his ears, you know? Into his no. ears? <laughs> yeah, so he can hear better. <laughs> he can hear the blue lines. <laughs> he's like, what is that shimmering? <laughs> I hear metal, oh my god. <laughs> I hear blue. <laughs> I hear blue. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Alright. Uh, so, Demo knows. What does blue sound like? I don't know. I mean, you're the closest blue, to blue. it, Midnight. What? Do you mean I'm the closest to it? Midnight, the color of Midnight. Oh, is I see, I see. To blue. Uh, blue, blue definitely sounds like uh, fireworks. So, good luck. He's going to be just deafened constantly. Oh, God. <laughs> Crackle, crackle. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> I don't know if it's even a bl- I don't think it's a blessing. <laughs> uh, so, Demo then notes that they were able to dredge up the southern bend of the canal, which will allow barges to go through. Ellen then tells them to send one barge to collect the supplies left in the town, and then another to send the refugees to Luthadel. Ellen uh, introduces Fatrin and says he is in charge of these people and to respect his wishes as long as they are reasonable. He tells Fatrin that his people need to begin farming and that they will accept any men that want to join the army, though he says he won't force them because you can't trust a soldier you force into an army. Uh, Demo then asks about uh, the location of the next supply cache, which Ellen replies is in Fadric City. Demo replies that Set will be happy that they're finally going to go uh, going back there as he's been complaining for the last year. Ellen jokes that Set may just leave them if they take back his city, but Demo, Demo replies that with how Vin scared him last year, he won't. Vin notes that Demo's eyes have too much respect in them when he looks at her, and thus he doesn't joke quite as lightly with her as he does with Ellen. She notes that she doesn't like that Ellen is with the Church as a survivor, but sometimes there are things you just have to ignore. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think about Demo's still kind of like very intense uh, devotion to the Church of the Survivor? The Church of the Survivor is where it's at, bro. That's like the top <laughs> the only, religion. The only true religion there. It's basically like the Christianity of this world at this point, because we learned that there's a bunch of fucking mutations of it Except in like every city. That. Except there's actually, like, real stuff involved. 
Except she's actually true, you know. <laughs> it sounds like though they're they they're, they kind of make up some stuff though. They've kind of merged it with like yeah, some old legends true. and stuff. <laughs> There's nothing made up. There's nothing okay. made up. Is all true. <laughs> sure. Every, everything is 100 percent true. Midnight's just not a true believer. I'm yep, not. I'm not. not I, I don't follow the church of the survivor. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate. She probably follows one of those fake religions, you know. <laughs> oh, so all, all those ones that says whereas. Uh, I was researching. <laughs> I wonder how fast you can like turn and turn on and turn off your like elementary. What do you, what you mean? mean? Like, let's say you turn it on, right? And then you oh, turn it off, yeah, and then you turn it on again. <laughs> oh my god! Let's say you're like repeating it, turning it off and on again, like like uh-huh, yeah. you know, like how fast can you do it? I don't know, probably pretty know. quickly. How fast are you? How much stamina you got, darkness? Oh my gosh! Uh- <laughs> <laughs> to actually answer the question, I, I'm assuming it'd be like just like taking in a breath or something. Like you could do it as quickly as that. Okay, but if I do it fast enough, I'll pass out. I mean, yeah, I'm sure if you like surged like pewter or like an intense amount of tid, you'd like fucking give yourself like a fucking seizure by like the lights going bright and dark and bright and dark and bright and dark. <laughs> it's just, just like a little like little light show. It's like a rave. <laughs> But just you can see it. <laughs> I would fucking laugh so hard if it that's is what, like that's what Spook does to entertain himself. Turns the lights on and off. Yeah. <laughs> just flicks the lights on and off. Seizure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he doesn't have epilepsy. Everyone's just wondering why he why he's like dancing like like rape like randomly <laughs> yeah randomly dancing yeah. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Are you okay? <laughs> I see colors everywhere. <laughs> Guys, I can hear the sounds of the metal. <laughs> You're like, I think we need an intervention, Spook. <laughs> I think your tin addiction has gone too far. <laughs> tin addiction. <laughs> oh, no. oh my god, could you just imagine that Like all the missings, they're really just addicts? <laughs> And Miss Borders are just addicts of everything. Oh god, they're super addicts. <laughs> yeah. I've tried every drug. They're all good. They're crossfading. Alright, uh, anyway, so Ellen then tells Demo to call a meeting in, in the evening and to let them know once Sage has arrived. Demo asks about the context of the meeting and Ellen replies that it's about conquering what is left of the world. And that's where chapter 8 ends. But there's nothing left of the world. There's apparently at least two cities. <laughs> Left. Nothing is left. It's all gone. Uh, and then chapter 9's epigraph is, Allomancy was indeed born with the mists, or at least Allomancy began at the same time as the mists' first appearances. When Rashak took over the power of the Well of Ascension, he became, a- became aware of certain li- things. Some were whispered to him by ruin, others were granted to him as an instinctive part of the power. One of these was the understanding of the three metallic arts. He knew, for instance, that the nuggets of metal in the Chamber of Ascension would make those who ingested them into Mistborn. These were, after all, fractions of the very power of the well itself. Reservation. Uh, so are the mists and the deepness different, then, since the mists came at the same time as Allomancy? Or do you think wait. that, like... W- wait, 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 what was the question? Are the mists and the deepness different, then, since the mists came at the same time as Allomancy? Because, f- from what we know of the timeline... Deepness came, and then it was like probably a while. Like it was like a bit of time, like five, ten years or something. Elendi's like doing shit. Uh, figures f- thinks he's the hero of ages and comes to like take the well. Rashik kills him, and then Rashik learns of Alamancy. 
And so... And the myth comes. It says, Allomancy was born with the myths, or they became at the same time. Do you think that's just, like, because of how short a period it is, that they're just saying, well, it's about the same time? Or do you think that the deepness and myths are different, and the myths technically came when Rashik ascended? Hmm. I think the myths came when he, uh... When he, uh... Started fucking with the world? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But, um, to answer your question, I've never really thought the mist itself was, like, the entire deepness. I just figured it was, like, a part. Like, mm-hmm. it's something that's being used. Uh, the deepness seems more like something that's, like, you know, ruin, really. Mm-hmm. But So you think the deepness is just a word for ruin, and that ruin was just using Yeah, like, they didn't, they didn't obviously know the god's name... So they called it the deepness, or it's something like something that Ruin did, like a byproduct of what Ruin did. Mm. They they saw as what they called the deepness. Okay. I think the deepness is his own entity. You think the deepness is completely separate from Ruin? Yeah. Okay. Do you think it? Do you think it's an enemy of Ruin, or an ally? I don't think Ruin has friends, so. <laughs> What do you mean? He just forces people to be his friends, like the Inquisitors. They're his friends, right? <laughs> uh, I think I think Ru- I think Ruin is uh, uh what's the word? Uh, uh fuck. Misunderstood. 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 No, no, no. Ruin, Ruin is definitely a pick. He's definitely trying. Ruin is trying to you know help the world just like Rashek did. He's just doing it wrong. Wait, what did you say, Darkness? He's like girl. Oh. <laughs> He's saying everyone is a pick me. Yeah. No, but like if like I can see that, but technically that's like everyone, so Well yeah, but I'm just saying I think I think Ruin is trying to do the correct thing that they see, but it's not, you know, what everybody wants. What if Ruin and present preservation are working together? It, like if this is this is gonna this kind of creates a bit of a dark topic, but like if somebody's trying to commit suicide, right? Mm-hmm. You obviously want to stop them, mm-hmm. right? Even though that they think that it's in their best interest to do so, you choose through your own that what you think is your their best interest, and you know make it so that they don't do so, they don't end their life. Mm-hmm. So, what if that's kind of what Ruin's doing? He sees that humanity is like you know going down this path. And he's like, oh, well, if I do this, they might not like it, but it will, you know, fix the, fix the world. Yeah, it'll mm. fix what is actually going on. You think like, he's giving them, like, a common enemy to, like, stop worrying about whatever's bringing them down a bad path or something? Kind of. Or, like, or just... he's trying to fix the world in general. Mm. Like, this is disgusting I mean, right now. <laughs> I mean, just, like, there's so many movies and, like, you know... You think it's kind of like it, a. Like, you think it might be like kind of like a Thanos thing, where he's like, if I if I yeah. cleanse the world of an X number of humanity, it'll help in the end. Where we're say, better people. I would say it's more like if I tie midnight between two what? horses and then Excuse let me? them like go. What? No, she'll she'll get like taller, but she no, won't like it. I will not get but taller. But it'll it'll work that's, out. No, you no, know? that's not. Nope. That doesn't that doesn't <laughs> work that way. I mean, it would it would make her taller, so. It would make me taller until I break in half, and then I'll just be two smaller midnights. <laughs> well, no, if you break in half, you won't be. You, you'll just be a half of each half midnight. Yeah, half yeah. <laughs> you won't be two smaller midnights. That's not how this works. You don't just become two smaller people. What if it is? If you if you can do that. <laughs> what if I'm damn. a worm? 
<laughs> I'm, a, I'm like an earthworm. You cut me in half, and I'm just two worms now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, believe, I, I believe you are an earthworm, but... <laughs> you have the posture for one. Wow! <laughs> you also have the size for one. You don't know what my posture looks like. I've, you could, I could be a perfect posture. You wouldn't know. I can't oh. tell that I'm like leaning back in my chair right now. Totally can't tell that through the, no. the computer screen right now. No. Yeah. Totally can't see you through your webcam right now. Mm-hmm. Totally anyway. have it hacked into your window. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I had another question here, which is, I think we kind of discussed it in the past, but what do you think about the fact that they mentioned that the uh, metal that makes you misborn is specifically a fraction of the well's power? It's also the, I thought I swear to God they say later that it's a fucking fraction of preservation. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that in one of these epigraphs that it's like a piece of preservation or something, and I'm like that makes not what I said before. Mm-hmm. And it was like after all, it was like that's that's just it just makes me believe that ATM is a piece of ruin and uh, is that why you think that ATM doesn't have a real name? Yes. So do you think also, this metal doesn't this have a real name either? Like, no, I don't think. I, I think it's going to become like lithium, like, you know, a, a fucking... Because ATM has like a... It sounds very similar to something else, but I can't think of what metal that is. But like ATM mm-hmm. itself sounded very similar when in the name. It's going to be like a an L or something, I feel like. I don't know why. That's just a Larson. Larson. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's titanium. Latium, yeah. You're late. It's late. Latium. Yeah, latium. Yeah, you're late to being a misborn. Yeah. <laughs> you're late to the party. Hurry the fuck up and get your powers already. Yeah, you're late to doing. You're late to doing your notes. Get over here and do, no. finish your notes already. <laughs> uh. Anyways. <laughs> uh. So we go back to Tensoon's point of view for this chapter. Uh, where he notes he was born seven centuries ago, which kind of goes back to the whole. I mean, it kind of makes sense that everyone, everyone's, or each generation's made, like, every hundred years. And, so he's the third generation, uh, 700 years ago. Yep, he's ten years old all of a sudden, yep. <laughs> Pretty old. Uh, but when the Conjurer was, uh, yeah, and the Conjurer was still new back when he was born. The first generation, however, had apparently given over control of raising the new Conjurer to the seconds already. And the seconds don't feel like they did well with the thirds. So like the first generation basically raised the seconds and then we're like, yeah, we're we're done. We don't like kids anymore. <laughs> you you take over. I mean, they got old, I mean, you know, it makes sense. Um and yeah, so the seconds don't feel like they did well with the thirds. They wanted a perfect society of individuals who followed strict rules and respected their elders. Tenso- I mean, are you just gonna give your kids to your parents and be like, Hey, raise no. my kids? No. Like Um But uh, they talk about here how the I think the seconds have raised base at least through the fifth generation, if not the rest of them. <laughs> the seconds are just the fucking nannies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, Here, watch my kid. So yeah, so the seconds want I a perfect. Tra- I created this thing. Here, take it. The seconds want a perfect society of individuals who followed strict rules and respected their elders. Tensoon used to be known as one of the least troublesome of the thirds, as he kept away from the homeland and their politics. Uh, so what do you think about the fact that the seconds raised the thirds and generations following? The seconds raised all the generations? Yep. Uh, we know that they raised at least through the fifth, the thirds, fourth, and fifths. They they confirm that for sure. We don't know technically if they raised any generations after that, but it potentially they did. They raised at least three of the generations after them. 
kind of weird. I mean, but, if if the if the second generation raised uh, you know all, all these other generations, and then those those generations ended up being these like rebel generations, maybe it was the second's fault. <laughs> yeah, they they apparently they like how they apparently did with the fourth and fifth, but they they didn't like how they did with the thirds. Wait, wasn't the isn't the one chick from like the fourth or the fifth one? No, she's from the seventh. They say that later. Oh, she's oh okay. I thought it was I thought she was like fourth or fifth. No, I thought she was a lot closer to Says. Uh, or not Says, but ten soon. Yeah, thank you. No, you know it's funny because like in my head, first in my head for some reason Tensun gives me Says vibes. <laughs> Tensun is the Says of the third generation because he's yeah, the least troublesome, but also the most rebellious because he broke the contract. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a similar story. Sage is like, oh yeah, I was the least, I was like, I'm so like quiet, reserved, but I'm also like the most troublesome keeper out there. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my other question here was, what do you think the other thirds are like if Tensoon is the least troublesome one? They're probably fucking terrible people. Well, wait, no, because didn't they that... say that the guy he kills? Yeah, so we know that Ori, sir, is also yeah, a third. So... Yeah, and I we mean, don't we didn't get a lot of him, but, you know. Maybe he they don't like him, because they were just fighting against him, you know? They obviously like him enough. Uh, they obviously liked uh, Orisar enough that uh, they created a whole trial about him, right? Well, that was just... I think it was more against Tensei. <laughs> yeah. Um, how dare you kill my child? Well, how dare you kill one of your own... Your brother. There's, <laughs> there's, there's totally nothing else. You know, we have no other... It, intended things after this. This is the whole reason for oh. this trial. Technically, wouldn't they be committing the crimes too? Because they're also killing them? Yeah, but I they're think... doing it through judicial things, Yeah, you know? they consider it different because it's like a and trial. And he did it through yeah. the contract. Yeah, he, he he did it of his... Which, honest, which honestly should be more sacred, but, you know, whatever. Contract should be more sacred than their judicial system. For you. <laughs> Tensu is marched by his guards into the trust warren and onto a center platform. The room is large and circular with metal walls, and the platform he stands on is a large steel disc set into the stone floor. The steel platform is a foot high and ten feet in diameter. The room is lit by oil lanterns that they have blue glass on to keep them the same uh, colored lighting. I thought my headset died for a second there, so I had to pause to check my levels. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the, yeah, so they have blue glass on the oil lanterns. Uh, in the center of the steel platform is a small hole that leads down to the trust. Uh, on the far side of the room, in tiers are lecterns where the 20 seconds stand. Ken Parr, one of the seconds, then speaks Tensoon's name and asks if he really plans to go through with this trial. When Tensoon replies yes, Ken Parr sighs and turns to bow at the first generation who are in individual alcoves at the top of the room. They are shrouded so much in darkness that you can only barely make out a humanoid shape. Uh, so what did you think about the description of the trust warren? The trust warren. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. So... Of the trust what? The trust warren. warren. That's the, the the room he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds mm-hmm. pretty cool. I mean, I guess. <laughs> the little uh, the little alcoves up top reminds me of uh, Warbreaker. How the gods sit up above everyone. Mm-hmm. I kind of. I can't. Oh, go ahead, darkness. I kind of pictured it like Hunger Games type of shit. I pictured it more like the Star Wars one, where they all meet in, Star- in the Star Wars oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. alcoves that are all up in the thing. They got like fucking the balconies and shit that come out. Yeah, I pictured it like sort of like stained glass type of stuff, though. Like you know, like uh, the well, kind of like uh, the Hunger Games where like they're watching them uh, try to convince them and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of different pictures here, you know. That's cool. Do you have any thoughts about uh, all the metal used in the room? 
I think you're going it too much into detail in rooms. I don't know. No. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna stop describing things. No, stop. No, no. I like I like that she's actually describing the room itself because I don't even remember there being I don't even remember there being metal in the room to be honest. Yeah, no, he he's making a joke because I don't you guys either. used to get mad at me about not describing rooms enough back in the yeah. breaker. Well, yeah, uh-huh. well, no, I think we we more were uh, agitated at the fact that like that was a pretty big detail that they moved a bunch of fucking shit into rooms and that all of these rooms are connected like in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. Like, for some reason, I was just cool. like, yeah, no, that's just a thing to me. <laughs> I don't know why yeah, I never uh-huh. was like, yeah, that's not important. Yeah, like the yeah, the main right. thing in. That- issue was that like if they were a room that was already set up with the same furniture and everything it would be fine right but, but if like, they moved <laughs> all of it like yeah, you know they're like and, and i mean like I, I like the shit later about the fact that like pretty much they destroy it all too you know <laughs> like it's like oh well you've used this now we have to destroy it like bro how much shit like how can you just keep doing this it's the fact that like how are they like even keeping force, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I did want to describe this room because, yeah, it has... Because uh, metal is always important in this book, so they, the fact that they have, like, metal walls and a big metal platform. You can only trust what's written in metal, so... Uh, also, what do you think the trust is? Because he mentions that there's a small hole in the center of this steel platform, and it leads down to the trust, capitalized. Uh, maybe it's where they throw all their trusted people, you know? You can be trusted. Here you go. <laughs> I trust that you know your punishment. <laughs> I trust that you know what you did. We will put you in the trust now. Here's a trust fall. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts, Darkness, about what the trust is? Low key, at first, I was like, when I heard, I don't, I don't, I think they said something about the trust before even mentioning that way. But I thought it was like somewhere where you create, you know. Uh, I think they mentioned the trust Warren, the trust Warren briefly, and he says that like he hasn't been to the trust Warren since like for like a long time. Um, but they don't. I don't know if they talk, specifically talk about the trust before now. I think they do bring it up again later, though, briefly. But they don't really give any detail to it. Trusted any of you in a long time? <laughs> I don't even know, bro. Maybe they just like shove him in there until like the fucking decision is made. Mm. For, right. for months? Oh god. Well, to be fair, like. I'll come back to you in a month. Here, we're gonna throw you in here. You know. <laughs> That's why it's called the trust, you know? <laughs> yeah, you gotta trust him, you know? <laughs> but also, like, he was already in a hole, so. Yeah, they like putting people in holes. Yeah, I mean, you know. I'm pretty sure people probably, like getting. Yeah, I think he likes the hole. I know? don't think he likes the hole. <laughs> I think he loves it. Okay. Anyways, uh, the, door behind the, Tens, the door behind Tensoon opens, an adult Chandra, uh, meaning any of the ninth generation and earlier, file in. He doesn't think that he can convince the seconds and has no idea about the first, but thinks that his words may be able to convince the younger Chandra. He knows that the first through third generations were small in number due to them being killed by humans in the early days, but later generations had more, with the tenth generation having upwards of a hundred Chandra. Tensoon notes a Chandra uh, named... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally the Conda. Condra. Yeah, the <laughs> Wakanda. Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, already, we, we know what's on your we know what's on your brain. Huh? I said we know where your brain's at. You want to be in Wakanda? We we understand. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So Tensor knows Akandra named Melon enters the room, hoping she wouldn't have been here, and is glad she doesn't run up onto the platform. She oh. has an eccentric true body made of wooden bones and bits of cloth sticking out of her head for hair. She mm. also has like an oddly shaped, like triangularish chin. I think he knows that her yeah. bones are like long and willowy. Uh, so after Tensoon gives her a smile, she makes her way over to the group of other seventh generations, with a cent- also with eccentric true bodies. Uh, so what did you think of Milan and the sevens? I love her body. Yeah, I like the wood. Wood's awesome. Her her true body. You like it? No, her real body. Okay. Her true body. Her real one. <laughs> you have any other thoughts about Milan? If I, mean, I didn't have like the idea of like Obsidian being a true body, mm. I would definitely go for a wood one. <laughs> like that. I mean, I I find it funny that they all use the materials that are not flesh like. But yeah, it's interesting that they're all like they're creative enough to create bodies out of things that aren't even flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like besides Melon, uh, and and like her like weird seventh generation, most of them use like stone and crystal. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, by the way, uh, the race is called the Earth Genasi. Oh, well, you were thinking of a Genasi yeah. group? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're made out of fucking rock. So. Let's see. So Kanpar then starts speaking, stating that Tenzin had demanded judgment. He states that if the first generation stay his punishment, he will be free, otherwise the seconds will assign him a fate. Tenzin states that he understands and notes that Kanpar looks confident. He notes that Kanpar likely is using this opportunity to show how much of an issue the thirds are, as he had been trying to preach for centuries. The seconds seem to feel threatened by you the know, thirds. That seems a lot like the one uh what the fuck was it whose name? The the Ob- not obli- was he an obligator or was he an inquisitor? I think he was an inquisitor. Oh, the, the the one inquisitor guy who was like, we're better than the obligators, you should put us yeah. in charge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should put us in charge and not, you know, the obligators, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what that reminds me of. Mm. So the seconds seem to feel threatened by the thirds, which Tenfun finds odd since the fourth and fifth were extremely loyal, although the sevens, like Melon, may give them reason to feel threatened. He thinks Kanpar and the seconds will be in for a surprise. Uh, so what did you think about the way their judgment works? How it's like, you kind of like, explain why you did this horrible thing, and then the first generation either says you're fine or you're not, and then the seconds get to choose what your punishment is. You know, have you guys watched Avatar? Like, The Last Last Airbender? Yes. Uh, you know that situation where the Earth King was actually a puppet? Mm. (laughs) The The one with the bear? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, the other Earth King, for sure, is not a puppet. That man is awesome. I love Boomy. Uh-huh. But, yeah, the one that, yeah, for sure, he's a puppet. Yeah, going so somewhere. That, that's, um, that's the first generation in my mind. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, it, it could be. I could see it, honestly. Kind of like how also in Warbreaker, uh, the God King was kind of a puppet, and all the priests yeah. were the ones who actually made decisions. Yeah. I see, I, I feel an ongoing theme, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it is the same artist, or it is the same uh, artist, artist. Uh, artist, I mean, you know, same thing. Yeah. Writing yeah. is art, so. <laughs> it is, it's a form of art. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, so it's still technically don't say that. What do you mean, don't say that? It's because you write darkness. <laughs> so chapter 10, uh, the epigraph is, Nuggets of pure allomancy, the power of preservation itself. Why Rashik left one of those nuggets at the Will of Ascension, I do not know. Perhaps he didn't see it, or perhaps he intended to save it to bestow upon a fortunate servant. 
Perhaps he feared that someday he would lose his powers and would need the nugget to grant him allomancy. Either way, uh. I bless Rashik for his oversight, for without that nugget, Elend would, have, Elend would have died that day at the well. Um, so, I mean, I know you already have your theory, Mythic, but do you think that this confirms that Elend is not the hero of Aegis? He's not the one writing these epigraphs? Considering they talk about Elend in this one? Wait, what? This isn't Elend writing the, the epigraphs. We already... <laughs> I, I said I know it, you already have your theory about that, but I just... It's not a theory anymore. The man literally <laughs> says the exact same words that says it says. Literally. It's, like, literally the same wording. Like, you telling cannot... me that you think Ellen, when he all of a sudden gets, like, you know, some vast knowledge that he can write back, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna mimic exactly how says <laughs> talks? I don't think so. No, this is definitely not Ellen talking. <laughs> I'm just Fuck. saying, until they give a confirmation dead. of who the hero of Ages is, I can't call anything but a th anything anyone says anything but a theory. You did confirm it last time! did not confirm it last time. Yes, you did! No, I didn't. i go replay your fucking I, voice. I said that I'm annoyed they gave a voice to the hero of Ages, but that doesn't mean that uh -huh. is who it is. That gave away what it is. Anyways, Douglas, do you, do, you, do you believe that this means that Elend is not the hero of Ages because they talk about Elend in this uh, epigraph? Yes. <laughs> Uh, also, why do you think Reshek left this one nugget of metal? If he got hungry later, he would have come back and heated it up. <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think he did. You don't think he forgot He didn't get hungry it? yet. Okay. No, I don't think... I don't think... Uh, I think it was put there by preservation. Mm. In order for... Uh, her to be able to... Um, bring Ellen. Ellen back. Yeah, bring Ellen back, because... Preservation probably knew exactly what was going to happen. They're like, contingency plan, if, if she doesn't use the power to save him, I got this. Preservation is the little, like, mist, like, form. The mist ghost or whatever. I believe that's what you guys have guessed. There is no yes. confirmation. Yeah, yet. so what he did yeah, no is he watched, what he did is he watched, um, he watched that whole thing unfold, right? Mm -hmm. He or she, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and they saw that Vin had released them. They shat themselves a little, and that shit was actually the fucking you know. Remember, they did they did find the metal before uh, Ellen got stabbed. Yeah, no, but this is the second time it happens. So, mm. there's another pebble there. This oh, is, this oh, one oh okay. The there's gonna one. be another one now. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know where darkness is going with this, but go, keep going, darkness. <laughs> no, that's it. That's oh, it. Like, there's they, just another beat of that was, like, the pebble, like, the fucking thing that gave Elementsy. Okay. Uh, so we have Say's point of view for this chapter, as he reviews the Larstaism real- Larstaism? Larstaism? Not really Congratulations, sure you failed again. I don't know how to pronounce it. Larstaism, religion. He knows that it isn't very religious, as it mainly just focuses on art, and the religion had focused on donating mon money to monks who then made paintings and poetry and sculptures. He couldn't find anything to contradict the doctrines, as they really didn't have many doctrines. This religion was apparently one Mare, Kelsier's wife, had followed, as she had been one of the few who had believed in one of the religions he preached. Uh, so what were your thoughts on this religion and the fact that Mare decided to follow it? This is the true religion. This is art the true is, religion. Art is, art is the, uh, the epitome of what you need in life. I don't know, Mare was kind of weird. Yeah, I know, right? She believed in green. She believed in green plants. I know, right? Who believes in green plants? It was with Kelsier. Oh, that too. Yeah. 
Who's she ever, didn't marry who would Kelsier. Ever, who would ever want to be with Kelsier? Like, oh, damn. She shows Kelsier over Marsh of all people. Like, come on. Uh, I know, Marsh right? is obviously the better and, choice. Uh, yeah, uh, Marsh is obviously the stronger choice. <laughs> I mean, that's why Ruin is choosing him. That's why he's still alive. <laughs> well, that's why Ruin is making him stronger. What did you say, Darkness? She clearly chose the Lord Ruler. <laughs> Uh, so Breeze then wanders over and talks about how depressing the land looks covered in black ash, and that he had never thought that things could be more depressing than when the Lord Ruler lived and the world was covered in sickly brown plants. As Sage considers how the ash is about half a foot high around the horses and several feet high in some other places, Breeze continues to talk. He states that if there really is an evil force behind it all, they should have made the ash red, because ash, uh, the ash is so boring and the red would have made the rivers look like they were made of blood. Sage replies that he isn't sure there is an evil force. The ash mats have always spewed ash, and the mist change could just be a new weather pattern. Breeze points out that if it was the weather and it was cold-related, then the mist wouldn't be staying out longer in the summer than they had in the winter before. Sage doesn't think that Vin is lying, but he also finds it hard to believe that there is something behind the force Vin released. If there was no truth in religion, maybe the world was just ready to end without a cause behind it. Uh, do you believe that Sage really believes the world is ending on its own and there's nothing behind it? Or do you think he's just, like, too depressed to actually, like... I think he's emo. I... <laughs> he's fucking annoying, that's what he is. Fucking emo. The man needs to go and get all of the knowledge from another well so that he can start writing these epigraphs for us. Oh, we're gonna hear in the distances, Where are you? <laughs> no, but, like, I genuinely, he's... Uh, he's been annoying me so much, and I don't even want to fucking. My legs are anymore. dangling off the edge. <laughs> I love this song. <laughs> I love that song. I have a feeling if Say's just depression is annoying you, you're not gonna like a certain character in Stormlight Archive. Stormlight Archive. He's just. His I'm sure he's is... not, honestly, because you've already stated to us that like the next ones are a lot more about like the mental health field of study. <laughs> people have mental issues in the next one and I cannot wait but also understand what you're saying because Darkness is probably going to be annoyed by most of the people in there, I think, sure. it's, I think it's, there's one character whose like, main thing is like he's very depressed <laughs> that's not my issue my <laughs> issue is the fact that like he's not he's he's gone through worse shit like, come true. he lost he the love of his life yeah but I mean that's not the worst thing he can go through okay but know. what was he going to do <laughs> Not create children. I know that for a fact. You don't have to have children to be in a happy marriage. I don't know. Happy wife, I mean, happy life, you know. To be fair, he could have started stuff earlier, you know. But man, that's, he doesn't know his own feelings, so... <laughs> man was... And he definitely still doesn't. <laughs> yeah, royally fucked up in the head, you know, so... Uh, Sabrisa brings up how Kelsier used to speak about green fields and plants and also flowers with other colors. He says it is a striking color and that it would be pretty and it'll be nice when they return. Sage is confused when Breeze says the flowers will return. Breeze replies that the Church of Survivor teaches that Finn will get rid of the mists and ash and that it seems suitably feminine that she will bring back green plants and flowers. Sage mentions he doesn't believe that Breeze would follow the Church of the Survivor and Breeze replies that he may have overdone it, it a bit. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, there's like, no way. He, he does. He's like, I, I guess I overdid it. He's, he's just trying to be like, oh, look, religion. Say his religion. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Breeson replies. Please, although... just follow the religion. You've always done so before. Breeze replies that although he doesn't believe it, it is nice to hope that when hope for that when looking over the blackness of the ash-covered land. Say wants to snap that believing isn't enough, but he stops himself. 
Saison tries to go back to focusing on the Larsta religion and decides that if divinity is art, then considering what Breeze said about how dull and uninspired the world looks right now, that religion cannot be true due to observed events. Uh, so what do you think about Saison just turning down this religion all of a sudden just because of the Black Ash? Repeat the question. I mean, what did you think about Say suddenly turning, turning down this religion just for like kind of like a petty reason? It was like, ah, yes, Breeze has said that the the Black Ash is dull and uninspired, thus a religion focused on art does not make sense. That's I mean, if you if you look at the world from an obstructed view like that, every religion can be you know seen as uh, false. So if you if you look for something hard enough, you're going to find the fault in it. Used exasperated darkness, or do you have any thoughts? To be fair, I I can see why he thinks he has no belief anymore. <laughs> when it comes to like just seeing the world in that way, as mm-hmm. mythic mythic said, like even because like back then, even if like he did see a fall, I'm pretty sure he would still be like, oh, like you know, you can still believe in it regardless. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I think it's more of he would see a fault in it, and then he would be like trying to. Ra- he would try to rationalize how it could still be a thing instead of the reverse. Now he's reversing that, where he sees a fault and he's like, "Oh, well, that obviously means that it can't be," uh, you know, because of this reason. You know, I don't. I you know what? I think the thing that most annoys me is the fact that why he doesn't like believe that there is an external force considering that Vin and Ellen and like people were there like what the fuck Vin's like I literally felt this thing that I released and it was sentient I don't know it's so fucking annoying well we know he does fucking believe it at the end cause you know yeah <laughs> exactly cause he's the one that yeah. <laughs> uh, so Says can see Breeze eyeing his portfolio as he puts the religion away and he thinks that Breeze would be disappointed to know what he is doing Sace also thinks that he shouldn't be short with Breeze, as Breeze is just trying to cheer him up. He considers that Breeze used to be selfish, as he still claims to be, and that he likely joined Kelsier for the challenge and the ATM reward, but that he is no longer that selfish and has found different rewards uh, instead of the ATM. Captain Gorodel then comes over and tells Sage and Ellen, uh, that Ellen's camp is nearby and that a scout is coming. Breeze instantly notices the pink on the distant horse, and Alrian mm. quickly rides up to them, hesitating as she looks Your down at Your favorite character, Midnight. Yep. Hesitating as she looks down at the deep ash on the ground and considers dismounting. She says she wants to hug Breeze, and he tells her she can wait until they're at the camp, but she replies she doesn't want to embarrass him in front of his soldiers. No, Breeze... she does. She straight up says, but then you wouldn't be embarrassed. I thought she said she doesn't want to embarrass him in front of the soldiers. Did I read that wrong? Pretty sure it was the other way around. <laughs> need to, I need to... But then I wouldn't be able to embarrass you in front of your soldiers. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty I'm gonna, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm double-checking <laughs> the book right now. So it completely changes the meaning of the... <laughs> oh yeah, she does. She says, I couldn't embarrass you in front of your soldiers, though. Exactly. Okay, like, so the, the way she says it, I th- I took it, it as... It, it can, yeah, it can have both meanings. Yeah, the way it's worded. Because she says, we could wait until we get back to camp. And then she says, I couldn't embarrass you in front of your soldiers that way. So like you could take it as, uh, if we go back to camp, I can't embarrass you in front of your soldiers now. Or you could take it as her being like... Yeah, but I just could, I couldn't do that and embarrass you in front of your soldiers. If like, we I couldn't do that to you. Yeah, so I, I don't actually nah, know what way I, I think she I means it. it. I think I take it the way the way, because the way she acts in general. Yeah, I... She d- wants... <laughs> I mean, walking in and just being like, breezy! Yeah, I, to be fair, I, I do think I, it probably is Mythic's way, because, like, 
if he when he says like we could go back to camp and hug like they could be like in his tent private and then it wouldn't be out in front of all the soldiers so it probably is the way mythic said i just read it differently um because the wording's kind of it could be taken either way because english <laughs> because english uh Anyway, so Bree, Bree says that they're all Says' soldiers anyways, and Aurienne does a sort of curtsy bow while on her horse as she greets Says by his title, and Says in return nods and calls her princess. After mm-hmm. a moment, Aurienne dismounts, and Captain Gordel helps her up onto Bree's horse. Says thinks that Bree has not married Aurienne, likely due to his embarrassment over the age difference. When he's asked, Bree usually replies that he doesn't want to leave Aurienne as a widow, but Says thinks that they'll likely all die soon anyways, so age doesn't really matter. He also wonders if the fact that they are all likely to die soon is why Breeze gave up or gave into having a relationship with Alrian. Uh, what did, did you have any thoughts about Breeze and Alrian's re- how Breeze and Alrian's relationship has progressed? It's or- honestly, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I think, I think much like what you, because you continue to say you don't like her, um, I much believe that she coaxed him into, like, she wore him down with her rioting or whatever. I don't think it was just the. The way they see it, I think she's definitely had a heavy hand in uh, manipulating Breeze into... Breezy? Where he is at now? Yeah, Breezy. God. Uh, what do you think about the fact that he hasn't married her yet? Do you think he should marry her? Do you think Sage is mm, right? Definitely. Like, they might as well, considering everyone's going to die. Yeah, I mean, considering the world's going to end, you might as well. So Saison thinks about how society is breaking down and that people need faith. However, the Church of the Survivor was one of the only options right now, and it was too new to have set doctrines. Thus, every city had its own mutant variation of the religion. Recently, Saison felt hypocritical preaching religions to people and thinks that he will not teach lies anymore. Uh, we then time skip to Saison being in a tent at the camp, washing his face and beginning to shave his head. He then hears Vin ask why he keeps shaving his head as she comes silently into the room. He turns to see her and notes that she still wears a masculine shirt and trousers, but has grown her hair down to her shoulders in a more feminine look. Sace tells her that General Demeaux has said that she was sleeping, but Vin replies that he knows better than to let her sleep when Sace arrives. She then tells him that he can keep shaving, but he gestures for her to sit down. Uh, Vin then asks why Sace keeps dressing like a terrorist servant when he isn't one anymore, and he replies that he isn't sure what he is. Vin replies that he is just Sace, keeper of terrorists. Says asks if he can really be a keeper when he no longer wears his copper mines, which are apparently in a trunk in this tent. Uh, are you glad that Says now seems to have his copper mines with him, even if they aren't on his person? Because we know he didn't last episode. A lot better. Like that he has them nearby. Yep. Yeah. He's gonna need them. But... It's just, it's just knowledge. It's not like it's you know anything great, you know. <laughs> To be fair, oh, like knowledge is power or anything. <laughs> to be fair, when he becomes a god, he's gonna get all that knowledge regardless. Yeah, exactly, and we won't need him anyways. So. Midnight. Midnight. Do like, you think the hero ages get uh, all that knowledge though? They get knowledge of who's yes. had the power before. They might not. I have think the they get knowledge of, of the world. I think they get the knowledge of the world. Like, well, I mean, okay. Didn't we discuss that? Yeah. Like, they get knowledge not just of the power, but Beyond, also about the yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah. He, the the only. Believe? The only thing. Go on. The only thing they won't get is like knowledge on how to use the power. Well, I think he says that he uh, has knowledge of uh the the hero of Ages has knowledge of how Rashek has like used the power in the past and like what exactly he did to try and fix things. But I don't think it says he technically has knowledge of like everything that happened in the world, just what people have done with the powers and the history of the powers. But he doesn't it's actually not know just the powers. It's definitely not just the powers. No, I swore I remember there being. I've, I've read. I've, I'm pretty sure I've read that it gives you like 
knowledge of knowledge. that yeah. world specifically. Yeah, like they, it gives you like vast knowledge kind of idea. Like especially like so because how we, okay, so chapter wait, because... two's epigraph says, I became familiar with the power itself, with its history, and with the ways it might be used. He knows how to they know how to move a planet in the sky, they don't know where to place it. Uh, chapter three nope that's just talking more about the strength you have to use the power uh chapter four talks about how rashak pushed too hard to try by moving the planet what but how but okay but all right how would rashak have known how to do all of those things because you know about the how like capabilities of the power it says like the as i said the chapter two epic no it's it, it should be further because it's it's talking about how uh uh so after chapter four so chapter five's epigraph talks about the what he did to the plants and chapter six's epigraph which is the one before this episode uh says the power burned away quickly and they talk about how he named himself the sliver of infinity the only description of what power he gets. I don't remember it being in an epigraph, though. I thought it was something else. I thought it was when Vin took the power. Oh, you think it's in the second book? I thought uh, it was when she like right went before. Uh, I think in the second she was book. like gave me the knowledge of gave me the knowledge of how to save him. So like who so would have given you that based, knowledge? Based though? on that and what we've read in the epigraphs, like it it gives you information on how to like how plants work, power. how to make plants, how to like move a planet, what like how to like make mountains, but it doesn't talk about like history of people. It just talks about like the like laws of the universe and like laws of like how planets and like plants and organisms work. It gives you that like more of a sciencey information. That's all we know so far. I'm not saying that he that uh, the hero of ages doesn't get that. I'm just saying yeah, we do yeah, not yeah, have yeah. any confirmation of anything but science based knowledge. And the history of the power, not of the world. Okay, but if we're going off of this, right, like my theory of that he took that this is says talking to us in these epigraphs, and he yeah. took, uh, he, uh, my theory is he took the power and gained all this knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so how would he know about ruin then? Ruin isn't like he, he was like, ruin isn't this or whatever, he's actually decay or whatever like he knew that stuff like he knows a lot about a lot of things it's the final battle they, like you know he like arm wrestles ruin it's and they have easy, like it's too easy for people to characterize ruin as simply a force of destruction I think rather of ruin as an intelligent decay not simply <laughs> chaos but a force that sought a rational and dangerous way to break everything down to its most basic forms like how if you don't have knowledge of like pretty much the world, like godlike knowledge, like how would you know things like that about Ruin? Because it's not like you're just gonna go talk. Like maybe he talked to Ruin. That's the only other option I can think of. That he and would, honestly, like, spoke with Ruin. Honestly, how would you even know how to like change things in a way where like others haven't? Because clearly, clearly, Rashek was able to uh, change it in a way others haven't. Because the world wasn't already in that state, you know. I mean that that can be that can be explained though through the knowing the power thing though. I, I that's what I understood. Yeah, so like I understood that part. Like it it gives you the basically it's like um, what's the best way to explain this? Like uh, it's like when you you gain a power, right? Like in like we used to we can use D and D reference idea, right? Like uh, in D and D, if you get an item like a magic item and attune to it, you immediately know everything about that item. Like, you know 
literally every part of that item. But you're telling me that a part of that fucking power is literally to create ash mouths and to fucking yes. alter physiology for that other people. You could do this, yes. It was like it's like it's like here here's a here's like a long list of things this power can do, right? And you can do any of them. Basically, I can you can mold the earth, you can basically be God. You can create pretty much anything you want in any way, shape, or form. Here's how you can do it. You know, like it's like a voice in his head going, Well, like he's like uh like right, you think Hey, I want to do this, right? And the power and the the power is a voice in his head going, "Okay, well, all you have to do is this, and this is how it'll be done." You know, like you. Are you telling me like, he just chose the wrong Wait, fucking decision? Here, here. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's um another I think maybe good analogy is it's like how as people we can create a habitat for a fish in a fish tank. We can place everything in it. We don't know the history of the fish that we're putting in. Besides what we're like, we can, but we can put fish in this fish tank. We can make their surrounding. We can put in rocks. We can put in like sticks and all these different things in it. We can create the world for this fish, but we don't know the history of what these fish do when they have children. We don't know their thoughts and what the fish do, right? We can just create the world for them, but also we don't always like understand. Like he, I think they talk about in the epigraphs how they don't always understand the consequences of things they can do. So you could put something in this fish tank and it fucks up the ecosystem. And you're like, oh shit, now I've got to take this away and fix it with this other thing. And like, so, yeah, exactly. And that's what that, we were that's talking kind of about. Where I, he, yeah, that's why, that's why he created, you know, he moved the earth too close to the sun, realized that that's hurting, you know, humanity. So let's put ash. Okay. Well we put ash in the sky to stop the sunlight from hitting us, but our, you know, human, all the human beings are sucking in that ash. So we need to uh, change the biology of human beings to be able to, you know, survive in ash, you know, and like he kept doing that stuff. Like he, it was trial and error. He just kept doing things until he got to where the world is now today. Yeah. And it says you that know? the new hero of ages in the epigraphs, it says, knows that, that uh, about this because they, when they get mm -hmm. the power, they the gain the history yeah. of the power. So they know what Rashek did. By yeah. just gaining the power. So they're like, oh, I see how Rashek fucked up so I can learn from that. And so I'm not going to try and do things that are too difficult for me, such as moving the planet like he did. I'm kind of wondering, though, if, like, because he lived for a thousand years, supposedly. Um, like, so could the power shift bodies? Like, could he have basically made a new body for himself? And like the reason I'm asking, uh, saying this in general is like, so maybe if we go on the the theory that he's not that he did he did know that that bead existed, maybe he put the bead there so that he could, when he reinvented himself into a new body, he could eat that bead and then gain alamancy once again. Like it would he wouldn't have alamancy in the second body, so he needs you know like he it would make sense on why he killed you know not killed but he. Uh, was so invested in terrorist people as well. Like maybe he took their bodies, so he would have ferrochemy, and then ate the bead, so he'd have alamance. Why not just? Why not just rebuild yourself from scratch? It's another really good idea. Yeah. Because like, well, I mean, I I start I start breaking my own theory about it being oh yeah you know the world or whatever like you know you have vast knowledge of everything mainly because if we go by the fact that my theory of this is Say is after he's drank from the or you know taken the power from the well, mm -hmm. um, he would if if you had knowledge of everything he would know why Rashek left the bead there or didn't leave the bead there or who mm -hmm. left the bead there you know you would know that stuff so 
it, it makes a little more sense. Uh, it would make more sense that it's not able to do so because he yeah. doesn't. Well, that. to be because... fair, we know that like we know that the thought process is not something Ruin can see. So maybe you just can't see it as a god. So you think that it's possible that the hero just once they take the power could still know everything people have done, just obviously not what every individual thought. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, because Ruin can't uh, read Marsha's thoughts, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marsha concerns confirms that like Ruin can see everything, but can't like hear what you think. Mm-hmm. I still believe Ruin is looking for uh, preservation as well. To gain, like, all of his power. I completely forgot, but what? I think I was gonna... You remember when you are like, what do you think the, like, miss, like, what's happening with the miss and all that stuff, or, mm-hmm. like, if it came first and all that? I was, um, I was gonna say, you know, when uh, he was, like, reshaping the world or whatever, mm-hmm. doing his little business, uh, I feel like, I feel like it drained the other, like, the original well was inside the mountain, right? Uh... Yeah, so as far as we know that the uh from from what descriptions we've gotten from Alendi and Rashek, it sounds like the well that Rashek goes to is inside a like cave in a mountain. Mm-hmm. And the other one was outside. The yes, lake. this this other me- metallic looking lake that uh they saw on their way to the well was just like a the, random the lake. Spirit. Yeah, but the spirit <laughs> stabbed somebody over. Yeah, it was what just like, this like... random lake in the mountain. What if like he moved the fucking world and he fucking moved closer to his son and he fucking evaporated the fucking leak. <laughs> I made of metal? Well, we don't know if it's like no, it was made of metal, it's just metallic. Yeah. yeah, it was metallic, so. I'm just assuming it's made out of metal. Um, Onward. Alright, should we continue? Yeah. Uh, so no, then... we, should, we should end it right here. This is the end of the podcast. <laughs> Bye! Um... Where was I? Oh, okay, I was the covering thing. Uh, Sage also calls himself selfish, and Vin replies that he is one of the most selfless people she knows. He replies that she is wrong because although so many people have lost loved ones, he still finds it hard to wake up in the morning and move on like they do. Sage calls himself weak of will and disagrees when Vin disagrees with him, but she says, how can you be weak of will when you have the will to disagree? (laughs) Uh, Mm. Sage then asks when Vin got so good at logic, and she says it's because she lives with Ellen and married a scholar. She then apologizes yeah. <laughs> as she notices Sage thinking about how he almost married a scholar as well. Sage, oh brief- my God. Sage briefly mentions how the Inquisitors killed the Ferrochemist, even the children, uh, and that he is likely the last one with these powers. Finn then looks sad and apologizes for not being able to give advice like he can. Uh, Finn then brings up that she found where the, stockpile, uh, where the stockpile was, and she etched the words from the metal sheet into a thin sheet of metal for Sage to review. She asks if he'll look at it, but he shakes his head and she says she needs him. Sage replies that he is doing what he can, but he but she can still send the sheet of metal to his tent and he'll at least review it. Finn brings up that Ellen wants Sage at the meeting he is holding tonight. Uh, do you think Sage is going to get uh, kind of interested in these words from the different catches, or do you think he's just only going to focus on his religions and he's going to stay uninterested? Well, it just seems like he's going to be very uninterested in everything t- until uh, he Honestly. gets over well, so... Am I insensitive? I think I'm insensitive, but, like, that's okay. You were very insensitive. It's okay, though. <laughs> uh, Be insensitive. Do it. Uh, so then, before she goes, Finn mentions that she had thought Ellen would die at the Will of Ascension. She had the power to save him, but she didn't. She let him bleed. Sage asks how she could do that, and she replies that she knew it was what he wanted, and that Sage had taught her to love Ellen enough to let him die. 
She then leaves. Sage notices that Vin left behind Mare's picture of a flower that Kelsier had passed to Vin years ago. Sage isn't sure why Vin left it for him, but he picks it up and places it into his sleeve before returning to shaving. Uh, why do you think Vin left the picture of the flower to Sage? Forgot. She forgot it. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, like, to be fair, it kind of goes with the conversation they were having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure so, does. I don't know, maybe Vin is a stalker. I think I think Vin wanted uh wanted Sage to see something you know other than doom and gloom. Uh, chapter eleven, the epigraph is the first contract, oft spoken of by the Chandra, was originally just a series of promises made by the first generation to the Lord Ruler. They wrote these provision uh, these promises down, and in doing so, codified the first Chandra laws. They were worried about governing governing themselves independently of the Lord Ruler and his empire, so they took what they had written to him, asking for his approval. He commanded it cast into steel, and personally scratched a signature into the bottom. This code was the first thing that a conjurer learned upon awakening from his or her life as a mistrace. It contained co- commands to revere earlier generations, simple legal rights granted to each conjurer, provisions for making new conjurer, and a demand for ultimate dedication to the Lord Ruler. Most disturbingly, the first contract contained a provision which, if invoked, would require the mass suicide of the entire conjurer people. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the Condra laws and the provision regarding mass suicide? Sounded like a contingency plan. Yep. Like the fucking, uh, the, the little spike in the back of, like, the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. Also, I was just thinking, there's, like, dye to make, like, different colored stuff, right? It's like dresses and all that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think at that point, I would have fucking, like, Got implants and just started dying. <laughs> <laughs> just to see what they would look like. Uh, any other thoughts on the epigraph, or should I move on? Okay. Uh, so we have our final point of view with Tensoon. Uh, as Kanpar begins the judgment, telling Tensoon to speak, but then cutting him off by asking him about how he killed Orisur. Tensoon is shocked, not having expected this question. He replies that killing a Chandra is not forbidden. Kanpara replies that humans and Kolos, who are of ruin, kill each other, but Kondra are a preservation and the father and do not kill each other. Tensu is still confused as his betrayal of his people is more seri- is a more serious crime than the killing another Kondra. Uh, so what do you think about the Kolos being of ruin, even though Tensu had previously called the Kolos the cousins of the Kondra? Because I think we kind of talked about this in I mean, the last book, how it's I kind mean, of like... All the, gods, all the gods are related, so... Ah, I see. It would make, se- it would make sense. <laughs> So the gods are just brothers, and then that's why they're cousins. I mean, like in mo- in most mythology, yes. In most mythology, when there are multiple gods, they are related in some way, shape, or form. All right, that would be fair. We're all way, shapes, or forms. I mean, you know, but like you know, which is what which is to me what makes a lot of mythologies very weird because. <laughs> Just a big a family drama that, that we're apparently involved yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> you have a lot of family? gods. That are, you have a lot of gods that are uh, with other gods, and oh, yeah. so kind of makes it very weird. What were you but... gonna say, Darkness? Nothing. It's just like all that stuff. I know. <laughs> uh, so Tenson replies that he was compelled by his contract, and that Kanpar was the one who assigned him to Straff Venture. Kanpar says Straff is like any other man, but Tensoon thinks that he learned that this is not true, and that Vin is relying on him, even if she doesn't know it. Tensoon explains that Straff gave him over to Zane, who then had him kill Orisur to spy on Vin. 
Kanpar shouts that Tensun killed one of his own generation, and Tensun replies that he didn't enjoy killing his generation brother, whom he had known for over seven centuries, but the contract only says he cannot kill men. Kanpar tries to insist that Kandra are worth more than men, but Tensu replies that the contract is specific, and he, along with the seconds, were there when the contract was written, so he knows it well. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the fact that Orizer and Tensun were generation brothers? Doesn't shock me. That kind of sad, because, like, is the third fucking generation. I also kind of makes me want to know more about, like, what Orizer was like, because, like, apparently Tensun was the least rebellious of, like, all the thirds, so what was Orizer actually like? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that too. But to be fair, like, he was with Kelsier, so. I mean, he was assigned to Kelsier. Yeah, but like, come on. Like, <laughs> it makes uh-huh. sense that somebody that rebellious would be, you know, with Kelsier. Canapar <laughs> uh, and Tensoon argue back and forth about him killing Orisur and following his contract. Tensoon thinks Zane's move was, a- was genius, even if he didn't like it, as Sven never would have suspected a Chandra to pretend to be another Chandra. Kenpar states that Tensun is setting a dangerous precedent, and Tensun realizes that this line of questioning is to make him look like a traitor, so he lacks credibility during his defense of himself. Uh, Tensun then throws the word betrayal back at Kanpar, saying that they allowed a contract to be given to a Ke- to Kelsier, who had been planning on killing their father, and thus led to the death of their father. A different second conjurer named Hunfur sputters that they couldn't have known that Kelsier's plan would succeed where others had failed, and that he had paid well. But Kanpar has Hunfur shut up by waving his hand. Uh, it's also known that Hunfer is one of the more dense of the second generation. <laughs> Doesn't really fit in. Uh, Kanpar then asks if they need to move forward, or if Tensun will accept judgment, but Tensun replies that they both know that the death of Orisur has little to do with why he is here. Uh, so what did you think about Kanpar starting with Tensun killing Orisur instead of going right into Tensun's main crime? I mean, it was pretty, pretty smart. So. To be fair, it can backfire, and it can also work out. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, I was like, sense. it made sense I, strategically. Yeah, I was like, low key hoping though that he would call him out on like, just simply not doing, like, not getting to the point, you know. <laughs> uh, Kanpar then asks why Tensun broke his contract and helped his master's enemy instead. Tensun briefly thinks back on the day when he watched Zane toy with Vin using ATM against her when she had none. He had helped Vin against all his training and instincts. Tensun then announces that he did not break his contract because helping Vin was not breaking his contract, since he was instead serving a greater contract, the first contract. One of the seconds shouts out asking how Tensun could be serving the first contract when the father is dead. Tensun then shouts out that Vin is now their mother as she killed the father, and thus the first contract now lies with her. The second Which doesn't second... make sense, but sure. <laughs> The second stare in shock at Tensun's announcement. Tensun continues, saying he had a duty to help Vin from the moment she took father's place. Uh, so yeah, what do you think about Tensu's defense by saying that Vin has replaced the Lord Ruler? I agree that she's replaced the Lord Ruler. I agree with that part. I don't agree with that it makes her their mother. <laughs> that just doesn't work. Like, I'm sorry, if, you know, I have a kid and, you know, some woman comes around and just kills me. It doesn't make her the mother of my kid. <laughs> she just kills you and then adopts your kids. I am your mother now. <laughs> Technically, by right of conquest... You can technically take the child. <laughs> right of conquest. Right of conquest. Okay. <laughs> just don't know why that just came out of nowhere. Made me laugh so much. Right of conquest. Uh... I have conquested you. So, like, if I go stab like Jesus right now, um, I can like, I can like run away with midnight. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, but Jesus oh. is not my dad, though. <laughs> that's not. No, but that's you know, like you guys are in a you guys are in a contract. You know, <laughs> you're not wrong. They are uh, in a contract. <laughs> they are contractually obligated to be with one another. You know. I mean, we're not contractually <laughs> obligated to be with each other. But contractually we're... <laughs> obligated to be with the people, you know? I can also take the cats. No, you cannot take the cats. Yes, the cats yes. are mine. Now, that, that makes way more no, sense. No, no, you like have to kill... If I go kill Midnight, no, if I go to... kill Midnight and Jesus, I will get Apollo. Got it. Yeah, no, you, you'd have to just kill me, because technically I don't think Jesus is on the adoption papers. He's just going to sit there and watch Mythic take, take the cats? I, li I like to tease Jesus about that. I'm like, the cats are mine. <laughs> I was the one my who adopted cats. them. We they're technically adopted cats. them. <laughs> they're my cats. They're not they yours, mine. they're mine. No, they're my cats. I, I, I'm killing you for them, no. they're mine. Anyways, uh, Kenpar finally shows out that what Tensoon is saying is fantasies and blasphemy. Tensoon then asks if Kenpar and the seconds have been out recently, that the world is in upheaval since the death of the Lord Ruler. He says that ruin has come, life will end, the time that the Worldbringers spoke of, perhaps the time for the resolution, is here. Uh, so what do you think of Kanpar mentioning the Worldbringers? They come. Because the Worldbringers are the predecessors of the Keepers. They're best buds, you know? You know, I... Did they have Barakami? Who? Mm -hmm. The world, the Worldbringers? Yes. So, like... Barakami was around before Rashak took over. I still think Barakami is, like, preservation's power, but okay. Have they explained? Oh, no. I never ref later. If they explained what midnight, uh, they they kind of give a uh, thing about the powers and the three the three metallic arts and uh, technically where they came from in one of the epigraphs, and I wasn't sure if they uh, mentioned that yet. Uh, uh -huh. The three metallic arts, huh? They they mentioned the three metallic arts in these epigraphs here. That's not a new thing. The three metallic arts, huh? Yes, allomancy, ferrochemy, oh. and hemallergy. Mm. The three metallic arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you acting like that? Like it's something new that I've given away. Barrelergy. Uh, anyways, did you, did you guys have any have any thoughts about them bringing up the world bringers specifically here? Because that's kind of a random thing for them to bring up. Nope. Okay. Uh, also, what do you think the resolution is? You know when they were hunting down the conjure? Hmm. That. You think that's the time? The time to start hunting the conjure is coming again. He's saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Something, something about the... No, I think it's going to be like the ruins back, so I don't know. Mm. they're going to have to make a decision on something here real soon. Conpar uh, then tells, tell, tells Tensoon uh, that he's delusional, but Tensoon cuts him off, asking if he should bring up his real sin. Kanpar again tries to speak, but yeah. Tensoon speaks over him, telling the whole room of Conjure that he shared their secret with Vin, and that she was able to control him using the flaw, with flaw being capitalized, he says that he is certain she had told others that they will again be controlled. He then states that she has the right to know their secret, secret being capitalized. Uh, because because she, she's the mother. She is the mother. Uh, they cannot create Chandra or new blessings on their own, and that the trust should be hers. He also states that if this is truly the end, then the resolution comes soon. Uh, so what do you think about the Chandra not being able to create new blessings or new Chandra on their own? Shock me at all. Their father had to make them, so. Which means if Vin is the mother, they should be able to make them too. Well, that was that was actually my uh, my next question was: Do you think this means that Vin could create new blessings and new Chandra, if she really is no taking over for the no Lord problem. Ruler? No, I think it's I think it's an actual power thing. Hmm. 
Like, you have to actually have the power of the well to do so. Well, they've been making Chondra, though, every hundred years, and Thrashek only had the power that one time, as far as we know. Finn's also taken the power at one point. Although, I guess she didn't really yeah. take it. She released it. Yeah. I would say so, but maybe. She'd have well, to retain some of the knowledge, you know. To be fair, do we even know if, like, taking the power, like, rejected, wouldn't just, like, let him have some of it for, like, a long while? Uh... We don't know. We do know that he calls himself the Splinter of Affinity, so maybe he has a splinter of the power till he died. Or he just kept taking the power because he knew where the well was, so he just kept going and well, taking it. I don't think it, like... Well, maybe you're right. I think, well, I think Vin uh, kind of implies <laughs> in the next chapter that the power is only there once every thousand years, so you can't yes. take it more than once every thousand years, and he died before it fully come back. Nah, so he was Ima- it. Imagine, like... You still have a thousand years, and right before you, you're like ready to you're go like, again. Yeah, you're like, I'm good. I'm gonna do this. I'm I'm gonna make sure that the deepness doesn't take over again. And then you die like a year or two before before. By it's the back. same people, you might be trying to fucking protect. <laughs> you're like you bastards. <laughs> I would have been so pissed. I would have haunted them, like, all of them. <laughs> How do we know he's not? <laughs> yeah, we don't know that he's not haunting them. Maybe he is the mess spirit. <laughs> That'd be cool. I miss um, him. You miss him. <laughs> you miss Rashek. Yeah, I miss Rashek too. Kanpar then shouts for Tensoon to be silent and then says that he has demanded judgment and it will come. Tensoon looks up at the alcoves of the first generation, but they say it and do nothing. Tensoon thinks about how he hasn't spoken to them in centuries as they limit contact to just speaking with the seconds. Kanpar then announces the first generation has said nothing and thus have not been swayed by Tensoon's words and that Tensoon's sentencing will be decided in a month. Tensoon isn't sure why they would wait a month, but he bows his head and hopes that his words would inspire his people to action. Uh, so what do you think about the lack of response from the first generation? I just realized I'm going to call him Kung Pao. <laughs> Ken Par? You're going to call him Kung Pao? Okay. Uh, he compels people to do things. Uh, I can see it. I was thinking about Kung Pao Chicken, but okay. Kung Pao? Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> did, did you guys have any thoughts, though, about the lack of response from the first generation? Uh, they probably believe him, and they're like, ooh, this is, he's making some good points. Vin might be the mom, so, you know. They're puppets. Maybe we send, maybe we send him to her, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe we send, we'll send Tensoon back to Vin, and then he can protect the mother. Hmm. So, chapter 12. The epigraph is, Rashek moved the Well of Ascension, obviously. It was very clear of him. Perhaps the, or sorry, it was very clever of him. Perhaps the cleverest thing he did. He knew that the power would one day return to the well. For power such as this, the fundamental power by which the world itself was formed, does not simply run out. It can be used and therefore diffused, but it will always be renewed. So knowing that the rumors and tales would persist, Freshek changed the very landscape of the world. He put mountains in what became the north and named that location Terrace. Then he flattened his true homeland and built his capital there. He constructed his palace around the room at that room at its heart, the room where he would meditate, the room that would that was the replica of his old hovel and terrace, a refuge created during the last moments before his power ran out. Um. So my question is: In future Mistborn books, do you think we will get other Hero of Ages every time the well refills? As I said, I feel like there's different Hero of Ages for different wells, but okay, even if they do refill. Hmm. Any thoughts, Mythic? 
I mean, I've already stated the fact that I think the Hero of Ages is just a symbol. It's not an actual person. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think there is a Hero of Ages. I think some, you know, somebody's got to come around and be a hero, mm-hmm. and they're just known as the Hero of Ages. Okay. Be the hero. Uh, so we have Ellen's I'm point of view. for a hero. We have, El- we have Ellen's point of view as he gets ready, and Ben tells him she's worried about Sazed. Ellen says he'll get over his problems, as he must have lost people before. Ben, however, says this is different. What a fucking... What an asshole. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, he's kind, of, he's kind of an asshole. I'll just get over it. Don't worry. You're a little heartless here, Ellen. I'll just get over it, you know. Ben, however, says this is different, and that when Tindwell died, he lost his faith. Ellen points out his church of the survivor pin, but Ben says that the... That he may be part of the church, but he doesn't really believe. Not like Says did previously. Finn also says she's worried about Breeze, as he also seems to be pushing himself too hard. He's afraid, and it shows, and he shows it by overcompensating. Ellen replies that she's almost as bad as he is about reading people's emotions. Finn replies that they're her friends, and she knows that they're slowly giving up, one by one. Ellen replies that he'll do something to fix it, and he thinks that that is his job, to make everything better. Uh, so what did you think about Ellen feeling like he has to make everything better? It's his job, so... Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, we switch to Vin's point of view, and time skip to the meeting. The group is studying a map of the Empire, and Vin is sitting in the back. Although she now trusts people, she still likes to sit in the back and watch them all. Although maybe the one person she, uh, there is one person she didn't trust, which is Set, who is there along with his son. Uh, Ellen explains the map that they are looking at, and how everything outside the larger, uh, larger circle gets less than four hours of daylight, and everything inside it gets four hours or more. There is also a smaller circle in the center, and Ellen replies that this is uh, the guess of the area uh, of what will get enough sunlight that summer to support crop growth. In the back of Vin's mind, Reen's voice tells her that uh, hope is for the foolish. Uh, so what do you think about Reen's voice being back? Got Reen again, guys. <sighs> I was hoping he would be gone forever. <laughs> oh. That's a... That's a... Well, we know it, it, it can't be natural. Come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's a tell size. It's not spoken out loud. No, don't matter. It just means was, it's a different wait, god. It was wait, wait, was gods when uh, when Rin spoke? It was uh, it was was it bold? I'm pretty sure it was just written in like um, yeah, yeah but, I'm saying, when, but but when Ellen's brother, I can't remember the fucking dude's name is now. Yeah, Zane. That's uh, what I was talking about. Yeah, when, yeah, when Zane, when God was talking to Zane, was it italicized? Uh, I believe uh, when God was talking to Zane, it was in quotations. And this isn't in quotations? No. we. I think I talked about this in the last book, how we talked about briefly how it may be a little bit different, but we're not, uh, but you guys weren't sure because uh, Finn hears Reen's voice in italics, like it's a thought, whereas uh, Zane did ta- uh, hear God like as quotations. Voice. Yeah. yeah. Like However, I'd, voice. I'd have to go back and scour the book to make sure it was every single time. I do know at least a few times it was in quotations, but I can't 100% remember if it was every single time the voice was in quotations. It's just a different God, bro. That's preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, preservation. I wanted to say preservation, preservation, but I'm not sure, bro. I think what if it's the choosing a... Yeah, uh, maybe. Choosing another person. <laughs> a host. Yeah. There you go, that's what I wanted to say. A host, yeah, choosing their host. Uh, so, Finn then notes that there's... Also, wait. Oh, go ahead. Do you remember... Uh, no. <laughs> it's because there was Do this part remember? where someone... I don't know if it was Inquisitor, if it was Marsh, if it was... I don't even know. But it was, like, uh, it was referring to Vin as her. As in, like, like you know, like, capital her, you know? Uh, 
It's so hard to describe. Oh, Man, like I'm... when when Zane was dying, like when he was like, uh, I thought Vin would save me because you never told me to kill her, and God is like, of course I never told you to kill her. Yes, that. I don't remember okay. if that's capitalized or not. Yeah, because she's the one that's gonna release me. So why would I do that? Yeah. I don't remember, so, but yeah, God specifically says, like, of course I wouldn't tell you to kill her. <laughs> There's so much... Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Got stuff to think a lot, through. A lot, a lot to read into, yeah. Uh, so Vin notes they are a small group of only nine, if you count Set's son, Njordin. His name is Mjolnir. so fucking... <laughs> Mjolnir, yeah. Mjolnir. Uh, the only person missing was Spook, who was doing reconnaissance in the north. Ben stares at the map and notes that the circle for crop growth next summer is smaller than the central dominance. Ellen states that even that circle won't support crops by next winter. Uh, do you think they will survive until next winter, or will either ruin or humanity be defeated before then? I, mean, I don't think they're going to survive till next week, so, you know. <laughs> you think the whole book is going to be within the next week? No, but <laughs> they got a lot of as plans. As soon as that, like, small circle, like, you know, as soon as the mist reach there, that's where, like, everything's going down. Mm. Do you think it's going to be, like, during the summer is is when the book will end? I guess. Mm-hmm. Also, you know what I realized? Yeah? They're, they're all just in a mini battle royale. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> the, God. The area's just getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Which makes sense why, you know, Kelsey's in Fortnite, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, see. you're right. <laughs> He's fighting this is the mid. true reason. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the mist is actually... Oh my god! <laughs> the mist actually the circle closing in. It, it does oh, slowly kill it, you, because it yeah, kills it out does. all your plants and stuff. But it doesn't It doesn't choose, like, you know, one out of six or whatever the fuck it was. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying because it's killing all the plant life, you are slowly starving, so you are slowly losing health while staying out in the mist area. True. Because you don't have food. <laughs> Even if it doesn't kill you via seizures. Um, <laughs> I remember. Anyways. No wonder he's in. You're right. You're right, Dinos. No wonder he's in Fortnite. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm going to have to tell Jesus about oh. that after this. <laughs> he's a proud surviving right. the storm, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, he's, the, he's a guy who's going to win, you know, at the end. The Battle Royale. Uh, so Ellen states he needs options. Crazy. And that Kelsier was re- recruited them to do the impossible. And this situation seemed pretty impossible. Set pipes up that he wasn't recruited by Kelsier, but instead pulled into this. And Ellen says he doesn't care enough to apologize. Reese brings up that they could look to the Well of Ascension, but Vin replies that the power is used up and likely won't be back for another thousand years. Ham brings up plants that need little sunlight, such as mushrooms. He says there must be other plants that can live with a similarly small amount of light. Reese points mushrooms. out, <laughs> yeah, besides mushrooms, he means that as well. Reese points out that well, they can't. You feed the animals mushrooms, so. Yeah, Reese points out that they can't eat most of those plants, but Ham suggests animals might be able to. Uh, Ellen then brings up the storage caverns and says that they still don't know what the last one contains. Breeze replies that he doesn't like relying on the Lord Ruler, and Set chimes in that the food could be poisoned and the water pissed in. Ellen replies that the Lord Ruler was luckily more altruistic than they thought him to be, and he resisted whatever was in the Well of Ascension. Ben thinks that it's named Ruin, and it will destroy everything. Ellen then brings up the last cache again, saying that the one they had just found has stores of lots of the basic eight elementic metals. Set excitedly asks that that means they'll march on, set, on Fadrix, and that Penrod and General can suck on that for a few days. Then thinks that Ellen hadn't been able to do much about the revolt in Urtiu, where Gennaro was supposed to rule over, so Gennaro mainly ruled from afar over smaller cities in the northern dominance. 
Ellen and Set then begin to talk about how much Set swears, which Set replies just makes conversation more interesting. Uh, yep, I agree. I, yeah, I, I like I like the I do that a lot too. I swear a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think you swear at all ever. I fucking swear all the time, dude. <laughs> uh, never do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then an earthquake happens. Finn quickly gets up and goes outside the tent, but the earthquake stops quickly. Finn goes back inside. Like how everybody, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, everybody else is like ducking for cover and she's like, I stand up. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm ready to fight something. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, woman. Yeah. Something's so Finn, wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> Finn then goes back inside and Ham comments on how there have been a lot of earthquakes lately. Uh, why do you think there have been so many earthquakes? Is it? Is there a the world reason? is just dying. Yeah, okay, I was just gonna say, is there a reason, or is it just Ruin being free that and, like, him fucking shit with shit that's causing it? It's back it? in Iraq. <laughs> Iraq, yeah, totally. Um, no, but, like, I'm sorry, but, like, um, maybe it's the other wells, if there are multiple, or mm. the other well, and it's, like, reacting to the fact that Ruin is out, <laughs> and it's, like, come get me! Hurry! <laughs> you know, like, Mm. Or maybe he's getting closer to the wells, so that it's like warning the world. Uh, so Ellen goes back to talking about the couch and Fadricks, and Vince, uh, and in Vin's head, Reen mentions the ATM, which Vin also voices out loud. Ellen says they have no proof of the ATM being there, but Vin says it has to be. So replies he hopes it isn't, since he'd be annoyed if he marched on Luthadel just for the ATM to be in yep. his own city. <laughs> which is exactly what you said last time. Yeah, I know. I'm just like... <laughs> So annoying. Uh, Han then asks if Ellen is planning to conquer Fadrix, but Ellen replies that they'll try diplomacy first, which Set isn't a fan of. Finn has a moment no. where she thinks about how Set has replaced Clubs as the Empire's military strategist. Because he has. Mm -hmm. Set mentions that if diplomacy doesn't work, they'll have to do a siege, and Ellen agrees. Ham asks if they have time for that, but Ellen replies they can't not take Fadrix. Also mentioned that Fadrix is likely already hurting for food, and they could cut off any food supply routes. Ellen also mentions they do have the Coloss, but Ham raises an eyebrow at this as if asking Ellen, would he really turn Coloss on humans? Uh, so do you think they are going to have to siege Fadrix or possibly use the Coloss against them? Yes, I think the Coloss are going to have to fight them. Yeah. Sorry, I just, I was thinking, like, you just ask what they have to, so like, I'm guessing there's an option there's not. Like, well, they're, they're saying they would use the Coloss if they have to. Like, do you, do you yeah, think that, like... They're going to try diplomacy first. Yeah, do you think whoever the obligator is is going to, like, work with them no. in the end? Or do you think that they're going to have to, like, besiege them and, like, fight them? I'm going to go, but they're going to work with them. Because, like, unexpected, you know? <laughs> A little flavor. <laughs> Who knows? The end of the world might bring people together. <laughs> The Sazen brings up that Fadrix is in the, is past the mist line, and apparently Ellen has kept most of his army from the mist. Finn doesn't think it's fair to have done this, but also, uh, but so far it had made sense. Ellen replies that Sazen makes a good point, and they'll have to have the army go out into the mist finally. Uh, what do you think about the fact that they've kept the army safe from the mist so far? Like, do you think that was good or stupid? Because like, if people die, like you've just spent a bunch of time training people just for them to now die to the mist. Why don't they just send everyone into the mist? I don't ask Ellen. <laughs> it's like, if you send everyone into the mist that you're training in, the, the part that are part of your army right now, mm -hmm. they'll die now and not when you need them in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because apparently it only affects them once, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, why, why would you spend all this time training and feeding them if they're just going to potentially die to the mist? <laughs> I feel like he should have just, probably just, just done it right away, but whatever. Yeah, just give them a little <laughs> nudge, you know? Like, this is a test! If you pass this, you belong to my army! Like, yeah, inoculate them. Mm -hmm. He inoculates the villagers, why not inoculate his own group? Yeah, exactly. 
so Ellen says that they will need fabrics in Urtu taken before the summer so they can condense the population to the central dominance and use the grain stores from Urtio's catch to help for planting during the summer. Ham says they don't have enough troops to march on both cities. Nemo then speaks up, saying they had a steel-inscribed message from Spook, stating that the Skull rebels were in charge of the city, but they don't like nobles or anyone with noble parentage. Steel-inscribed. Yeah, they've, they've taken to doing uh, steel-inscribed notes, which uh-huh. makes sense. <laughs> uh... Elman states that he wants Sazed and Breeze to go to Urtiu and bring it under control without force. He'll send a couple hundred soldiers with them just in case, but he needs the seed stock to be down in the central dominance before summer for planting season. Breeze replies that the Ska aren't good at setting up governments and they'll probably be happy to join the new empire. Ellen says to be wary because tensions are extreme there. Uh, do, you, do you think it'll be as easy as Breeze thinks to get Urtiu to, to join the empire? No. It'll be a Breeze. <laughs> uh, you're funny, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Says then asks if they have to go as he has a personal research he needs done or if he has to go because he has personal research he needs done uh, however Ellen says that as a terraceman Says is well respected and Breeze also has a bit of a reputation <laughs> so he would ask that Says to go and hopefully be able to work on his research while on the trip Says eventually agrees Ellen then asks the group about Kelsier not the legends and such about him but, but him as a man Ham says he was bigger than a man and that everything he did was large. Breeze cuts in that he was genuine, though. Everyone wanted to be the best, but Kelsier actually was. Finn replies that he was just a man, but you always knew he'd succeed. She says he made you what he wanted you to be. And Breeze cuts in that it was just so he could use you how he wanted. And then Ham cuts in that you were better for it anyways. Ellen then asks what Kelsier would think of them now, and Ham says he'd be proud of what... (laughs) I'm just choking all of a sudden. (laughs) I mean, you're always choking. Uh... (laughs) Hammond says he'd be proud of what they had done, and Sage replies that he'd tell them to laugh more. Bree says he would laugh and yep. smile no matter how bad the situation, which Ulrian says makes him sound insensitive. Ham replies that he was determined and always said that laughing was the one thing the Lord Ruler couldn't take from them. Ellen says they need that, and no matter if they are optimists or pessimists, or if they think they'll be dead in a few months, they need to be smiling. He wants them to smile in defiance, and if the end does come, they meet up again like this while smiling. Do you think Ellen's speech and Kelsier's attitude towards the Lord Ruler and life would be able to help the group make it to the end? Yeah, till their inevitable death, yes. Till their end, yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> hey, just smile your way through it, no worries. Uh, so Seth then says he doesn't know how he ended up with them, and Breeze laughs and says, of course Seth knows why, he was threatened to be killed if he didn't join them. Ellen looks to Vin and she gives him a nod, the speech was good. She hopes that this will, be, this will help the crew keep moving forward. Elna says that Breeze, Sage, and Alria need to go talk to the scribes about their supplies they will need for the trip. He also tells Ham to send word to Penrod to work on cultivating plants that can grow with very little sunlight. And then he asks Demo to pass the word on to the men that they march tomorrow. And then we're on our final chapter, chapter 13. Our epigraph is Hemallergy, it is called. Because of the connection to blood, it is not a coincidence, I believe, that death is always involved in the transfer of powers via hemallergy. Marsh, was, Marsh once described it as a messy process. Not the adjective I would have chosen. It's not disturbing enough. Um, d- did you guys have any thoughts about that? We kind of already connected the hemology blood thing. I feel like when I think Mythic brought it up pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh. So did Darkness, though? I'm pretty sure Darkness made the blood thing. But... Oh, did Darkness? I, I keep, I'm sorry, Darkness. I keep giving all your shit to Mythic today. No, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> okay, darkness. Darkness has a lot of good stuff. Okay, you know, gotta give him some credit. I know. I'm sorry. Jeez. Don't worry, darkness. I'm here to give you credit for everything. <laughs> uh, why am I here? Uh, but yeah. Did you, did you guys have any thoughts? This epigraph. 
man knows about. I thought him. it was skin allergy. Ooh. I thought it was cool. He could. He should definitely like write a book or something. <laughs> yeah, he should, he should definitely be writing epigraphs or something in, in books. You know, it just makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so for this chapter, we have Marsh's point of view, as he thinks that he is missing something. Ruin's attention has been focused elsewhere lately, so he has more time to himself than usual. He didn't struggle because it would bring Ruin's attention. He decides that he doesn't want Ruin's attention because the bliss that it brings is false. He wonders what he is missing, as the Kola's army of 300,000 that he is with hasn't moved That's in weeks. A lot of yeah, and was relentlessly killing itself. He notes that they are stationed in the north near Terrace, and that he is the only Inquisitor with the Kolos currently. He is also the only Inquisitor with or, sorry, he's also the Inquisitor with the most spikes, having ten new ones, and thus it yep. made him the most powerful of the Inquisitors. And I have a theory. <laughs> uh, so why do you think Ruin has left this large Coloss army up here in the north for weeks without any instructions? He's getting an army ready to fight something. Something big, I'm sure. He's, um... He's busy, he's busy communicating with the first generation of uh, Conjure. Mm. <laughs> uh, also, what do you think about the number of spikes that Marsh now has? I think Wait. Ruin. I think Ruin is getting ready to take over Marsha's body completely. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yep. I think I think Marsha's gonna become a pup, like a not a puppet, a, a skin suit for him. He's oh, he's damn. becoming a host, and he's gonna yep. be the one that fights as Ruin in the final yep. battle. Yep. Interesting. And I think Says is gonna be the one that fights as Preservation in the end of days. So. So Marsha. What if like? What if? What if, like, the deepness is its entity, and it just wins, so she fights as the deepness? <laughs> Interesting. Vin fights both. Oh, yeah, they have to ruin and preservation, have to team up together. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> Ruin's not actually a bad guy, you know? But really, Vin's been the bad person the whole time. Uh, so Marcin thinks that nothing matters, as Ruin can't be beaten, and the world will end. He thinks back on his past, how he left the rebellion after Kelsier and Marsh had been sent to the pits of Hassan. He thinks that just as he had given up, Kelsier had come back and used the rebellion to win against the Lord Ruler when chosen. Uh, the Lord Ruler when it should have been Marsh who had done that. Now he has given up again. He thinks that Mare had chosen the right brother, the one who had made her dreams come true. Marsh believes that Kelsier had overthrown the Final Empire for Mare's dream, not for anything else. Then he thinks that Kelsier failed, that killing the Lord Ruler had just made things worse. Marsh thinks that Mare had been right to pick Kelsier, but they are both dead now, and Marsh wasn't. He could still fight, but he wasn't sure how. He wonders if he stops struggling for long enough that he can surprise Ruin when he finally does try to properly fight back and take control of himself for a moment. He can pull out his bikes back and take out one of Ruin's strongest weapons, possibly giving the others the chance they need. Kelsier has sacrificed himself for the Ska people, and Marsh would do the same and hopefully stop the destruction of the world. Do you think Marsh will be able to surprise Ruin and kill himself to save the world? At the end. Yes. Yeah, in the very end, yeah. All right. Uh, that was the end of chapter 13, uh, end of our chapters. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought you were saying, like, that was the end. <laughs> like, the end end. <laughs> no. Uh, so I've got a couple overview questions. Uh, the first is, what do you think will happen with Tenzun? Do you think the younger Conjurer will take action after his speech? He's gonna die. I think he's gonna be tasked to go... Uh... Die. With the mother? No, with the mother. Hmm. Uh, what are your theories about what's in Fadrix's cache? What do you think the specialty is there? Do you think it's the ATM, or do you think it's something else? It's not ATM. What is it, then? The ATM doesn't exist. I think the ATM exists. I think it was just used for something else. You know, like it was used to pay somebody or something. 
I think also one of you had said last episode oh, that you think that it was used to make the Malatium. Peru, that too, yeah. I don't remember who said that, but yeah. It was Zimmy. Uh, maybe I said it. I, don't know. <laughs> I think you might have said it. That <laughs> would make sense, but it would make sense. I mean, the one time I'm hesitant to say Mythic said it, <laughs> it probably was. Yeah, it was Mythic. It was Mythic. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Sounds like something I might say. Uh, so, what do you think is in the cache, Mythic? It's just going to be another, like you know, same thing as last time. Cache of fucking shit, you know, <laughs> that they're not uh, going to understand, you know. And what do you think is going to happen with Fadrix and Urchu? Will they join the new empire? I think what's gonna be in the cache is the lake. Anyway, um, I just want that lake to appear, bro. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Uh, all right, that was the end of my questions. Do you guys have any theories or anything you want to bring up? We didn't even yeah. answer the last question. Oh, did you? We didn't. What was the last question? Oh, like, like... do you think they're gonna join the new empire? Who? The the <laughs> the new the cities they're going after, Fadrix and Urtio. Oh. Are you asking this like as in willingly or like? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, will, will they end up joining? I don't think they're gonna that. join regardless. Yeah. It's just yeah, they're how they're gonna, gonna join. To, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're doing it willingly. That's for sure. The obligator is gonna be besties with Ellen. What do you mean? For sure. Totally. All right. Uh, so yeah, any any other theories or anything you want to mention before we end the episode? Get in the comments. Oh my. Nah. All right, well, next episode we'll be doing chapters 14 to 21 and starting part two, which is called Cloth and Glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look forward to that, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.